Christ, you people suck. Wow. Wolverine on it. episode 689 for february 28th 2022 we snuck one last episode into february you know short month uh but on the show this week we have anthony yep and we have resident elden ring hater jay on the show as well on jarno turn him they finally got me on here just to uh yell at me and stuff so i'm here from soft brings you out of retirement it does. You know, last time I was here, that wasn't game of the year. It was probably when I was talking about Sekiro. And, uh, you know, that game got a very good score from me. Elden Ring, not as much. I mean, a lot of people hold Sekiro in, like, really high regard. And it's funny, like like Anthony was saying before the show, like, nobody really talks about it anymore. Like It's one of those things where it made a big splash when it first came out because it was so different than the other Souls game. But because it was kind of a one-off spinoff, right? A lot of its functionalities and mechanics haven't really transferred over to the other games. So that's probably the reason why people don't talk about it. But I would, frankly, I would love like a Sekiro sequel or a game in that spirit. It would be fantastic because that's my personal favorite FromSoft game of all time. That, but what's funny about that though is like the uh, on the opposite end of that spectrum, Bloodborne, which is very different than the Souls games, people do talk about. Like True. they they go nuts. Like Bloodborne is the most talked about Souls game, which is weird. I think it kind of comes down to the Forbidden Apple, right? Because it's still stuck on the PS4 land without yeah. having a PC port and anything. And the PS4, even with the PS5, never got that 60 frames upgrade. So it's always been stuck in that chunky 30 FPS slowdown uh, range. So people have been always been talking about the want to remaster and re-release Bloodborne, which I would love to see as well. But Sekiro, it just came out. It was good as it is, and it came out in multiple platforms. So no need to have any controversy around it, right? So it's kind of one and done. But Bloodborne, I think we're going to get... I think we have to get like a remaster of some kind for that game at some point. I One would hope, right? I think I think Bloodborne is also the most compelling because it has a lot of lore kind of built into it, where Dark Souls... I know it's there, but it's not as obvious, right? Like, Bloodborne has, like, a cutscene to show, like, it have an introduction and everything. And then the style is Victorian, so it stands out in comparison to every other knight's sort of game, right? So, Gothic knight. Yeah, it, it's such a very unique-looking game. Um... And then if you know anything about it, the the things that happen in there, uh, I think that's part of it. Um, you know, somebody said, like, uh, if you take away the difficulty from 
you know, Souls games, what is there? Well, a there's lot. always lore. There's always <laughs> yeah. a lot of amazing character design. Um, music, I, I know that's not what something a lot of people point out, but it's there. It's very good. Um, and it just, yeah, there's a ton of stuff. And, like, Bloodborne, I think, is, like, the biggest example of, like, a ton of story. Bloodborne. To just sort of pick up on as you go through. Bloodborne felt like FromSoft's Nightmare Creatures 3 to me. <laughs> nice, I like that comparison. Oh, uh, I don't know. That game just gives me Nightmare Creatures vibes so hard. And it's it's actually the From game that I've played the most of and enjoyed the most. And and I I can't I can't bang my head against those games. They drive me crazy. Yeah, I I've actually gotten that response a lot when it comes to uh, a lot of the FromSoft games. People have repeatedly told me that Bloodborne is the only one that they've actually really put any time into. Mostly because they were so like um like vacuumed in due to like the art style, the world design, and the dark and gritty side of it. And also, it's a game that really promotes being aggressive compared to a lot of the earlier Souls games where it really pays to be patient and pick your timing for attacks. Bloodborne has that whole mechanic is when you take damage, if you immediately take uh, attack the enemy, then you gain, gain a lot of the health back. So you have a lot of chances for you to gain the health that you just lost back just by being aggressive and kind of attacking all the way. So I think that kind of resonated with a lot more people. But um, hitting on what like Anthony was saying, like, Every Souls game does have cinematics, like every single one of them. Even Demon's Souls had an intro cinematic kind of laying out the world design and everything. But I would agree that Bloodborne probably has the most in terms of like cutscenes and other things of that nature that's happening. Um, so I can see why it might resonate. And the whole, you know, Cthulhu, yeah, you know, they, I, old I think, shit is crazy. I think the one the reason why the Bloodborne one stands out is like another character is actually like talking to you. It's not just some sort of like narrator mm-hmm. um you know the hospital bed sequence like there it, it's very odd it doesn't feel like any of the dark souls stuff right. i've started all the dark souls games and never finished any of them so, uh, i've never finished a from game bloodborne was actually, the one i made it to i lied I, I lied i did not play dark souls 2 i watched my father do that because he was hogging the ps3 at the time we only had one he took a he took a bullet for you because I did not enjoy Dark Souls. Till, uh, till uh, then. That was the one that he really got into the multiplayer on, and then that's how he got into. That's the reason why I like Dark Souls three. That's the reason why I like Bloodborne. That's the reason why I like Neo. Like he loves the multiplayer aspect of that. That's Actually, that's fascinating to me because I, I never delve into that. Oh, go yeah. ahead. I was gonna say I'm lying. I have finished a From game. It was the original Armored Core on PlayStation. Yeah, Online. baby, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love those Armored Core games. And we're getting a new one, right? Uh, supposedly, but is it made? Oh, wait, it's a rumor that From is making a new Armored Core game. Oh, is it rumor? I thought it was verified. Oh. No, I don't know what their next game is, but if it's Armored Core, I would totally be into that. I know, arm- like, the first two are really resonate with me. The first one, and then what was the second one called? Like, Phantom something? I have no idea, man. It's been too long. But uh, yeah, there was some kind of uh, like low end of Armor Core game because they did make a bunch of them. Yeah. But e- even the one that they released, I think on PS3, like Four Answer Armor Core or yeah. Armor Core Four Answer, that was also a good entry too. Um, yeah. I would just yeah. love to see them make a new Armor Core with the the funding and the money that they have yeah. at their disposal. The now, last one compared to what they used to be, you know. The last crazy. one was Verdict Day. 
Oh god, I remember that was three sixty, right? And PS3, PS3 yeah. and that was twenty thirteen and twenty twelve Armored Core V five came out. Yeah, I still have those. But man, that first one on PlayStation One, I got obsessed with that thing. I was making some crazy robots to go on my sorties. Yeah, it was it was really good stuff. It was kind of the the first of its kind to really allow you to customize your mech in such a such a way that really felt like your own, right? It like really mirrored your playstyle. Getting new parts felt interesting and exciting, and uh, the controls actually felt pretty good even on the PS One controller. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so you know, we'll see what they do with that series. But I feel like we just broke up the entire structure of the podcast. Can do we did we go over okay. like a couple of different things? Well, actually, we could just roll right into from soft conversation and talk about Elden Ring. That's that's why you're here. That's that that is indeed true. And uh, for those do that uh, that do not know, I reviewed the game on PC. Uh, I gave it an eight out of ten, um, mostly because. There are some aspects of the game as far as the actual content where it falls into some of the familiar trappings of the open world uh, where it repeats a lot of the content. For example, I, I had fought the same boss, I think, about four or five times, and that happens to like four, five, six, seven different types of bosses that you fight. It just kind of kills me when I see a lot of these filler content go into a world that seems so interesting and inviting for me to explore every inch of it. The only good thing or the only saving grace to that aspect is basically that you do get rewarded for everything that you do. Even if you fight the same boss for like the fourth time or you find the same boss along with another boss again, uh, you still get some cool rewards in terms of like weapons, armors, like uh, different types of like spells and stuff like that. So in that way, it was compelling enough for me to continue. But I think we have all said this in one way or another. I am more interested in having a, a really compelling, a lean 10 to 20 hour experience compared to something that is bloated and it's like 70 hours, you know? We have mm-hmm. stuff to do. We have other games that we have on our docket. So when it comes to those kinds of things, if this game was trimmed down, a lot of these side areas, and maybe like the even the sides of the world uh, reduced down a bit, I think it would have made for a better game. I Yes, it, it is impressive and uh, quite the achievement what they're able to do with the the ridiculous size of the world to be frank because i put about like 70 hours until i beat the game i could have beaten it earlier but i wanted to explore the big side areas i suppose uh but the other big thing that i actually had to mention was that the pc version was just not in a good state when i reviewed the game and it still isn't a lot of people told me that oh day one patch is coming and ken you reached out to the developer and pr team for me and they never even got back to us in terms of like the regards of like any kind of fix because i imagine that they've gotten that question basically from every pc i'm going to uh quote uh the wonderful piece of shit on twitter uh known as nintendo shell Day one patch will be released to address issues seen in both beta releases and the network test. Make sure to update your review once launch comes along. You can't adjust FPS or VSync the same way you couldn't in prior games from From Software. Jay, I would like to know, did the day one patch actually fix anything? It actually made things worse. <laughs> what, it, what it did is that uh, by updating the executable, it actually undid a lot of the shader loading that you did previously. Oh, no. So not only did it not make it better, it made it worse for people that were actually I need you to update. I, I need you to update your review, please. Oh, I, I, need to, I need to bring it down a few Seven, points, 7. Right? 5, 7. Yeah. 5. 
fucking. Yeah, it's one of those things, and there was a, a bit of backlash. And Ken, I, I have to give you the utmost credit, my friend. The, the one of the best decisions you've ever made was uh, removing that comic section from my. <laughs> I page. said removing the same that... thing after it <laughs> happened. Removing the, removing the uh vote up and down thing too. Oh God, that thing would have been oh. off the off the charts if I'd have left all that my, thing in there. All my fucking reviews would get super negatives. So, because <laughs> we'll be staring at a thousand like replies of messages about hate about how I, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, this guy liked Octopath Traveler better than the Elven uh, Ring. I, okay, I want to say, Jay, Jay, uh, hold on. Yeah. Let me quote you, Rock Q, on Twitter. And say you gave Octopath Traveler a higher score. Almost every grindy, repetitive JRPG you've given significantly higher scores. The word is contrarian. Why did you review this game? Maybe to benefit off of controversy? Yes. Jay, I'd like to ask, uh, how much money have you made off this review? It's all of the money, Anthony. Just all of it. I'm just, right now, I'm in a tub <laughs> full of money. Thanks, Ken, for uh, the check that clear. Hey, that no problem. Nice. I, yeah, I, I, I did also want to say, and I want to point this out, because, you know, Jay is one of, what, maybe one or two reviewers that actually finished it before they put the review out? Also, Jay is the... Somebody asked, um, when I was watching my friend play last night, they're like, uh, was he the type, like, because they don't know you, Jay, and they're like, uh, oh, wow, and he, yeah, that, like, is it just because he's not that type of and I'm like, no, he played the PC version, and there's issues. And uh, all the people that I was, like, kind of chatting with last night, like, we, it's our my D&D group, uh, both of them uh, that have played the game on PC said, oh, you know, there's definitely issues still. Um, and they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, somebody asked, like, oh, is he not a front and software guy? I'm like, no, this was handed to the guy on the site. Like, I would not trust the review... Uh, in like the it's in the best hands possible. Like it's funny that people don't know you that are commenting on this because they're like you're, you're contrarian. Uh, Jay is not contrarian. Jay has no issue telling you <laughs> that your game is bad. <laughs> yeah, I I have no qualms about rating things higher or lower than what the the Metacritic or Open Credit consensus seems to be. You know, it's just kind of our thing. We have that freedom thanks to the little niche that we have, right? We're not, this is not our job. We're not beholden yeah. to the deadlines, to the companies or anyone else in between. So we can just say it honestly and fairly as far as what we felt and what our experience was. And that's how it's always been. That's why I've, I've stuck around for this long because, you know, we have this platform where, you know, it, although our readership might be small, they, I think the people that know us know, yeah, know that uh, we, uh, we speak from the heart and we always give them uh, a fair shot. But, you know, it's, I expected it because when I gave that 8 out of 10 and embargo date hit and I saw those 10 out of 10s and I think it was sitting at a 97 or 98 on Metacritic at some point. I think it's at a like 96 or 95 more right now. So like I was like, oh shit, am I going to be the lowest score <laughs> for this game out of like 130 like verified reviewers on OpenCritic? And then I was alongside with some other some other two or three other publications that also gave it an eight out of ten. And then when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, there's going to be some fallout." And then Drew linked me this thread on Reddit. The Reddit. Yeah, it says ZTGD gives Elden Ring eight out of ten. 
Is this the first time a, a, a Reddit thread has been made about one of our scores, Can Can you think of any other? Uh, it's definitely not the first time we've been called out in a Reddit thread. Yeah, that's for sure. But I think it might be the I first. I was called out uh, for my, and I know people hate bringing this up. I'm sorry. But like for my first review, which was a way out, people were like, I can't believe he gave it a low score. Um, I still stand by that one. But like, we weren't called out as a thread. And I will say this, I, I read through that thread, Jay, because I was like, oh, fuck, all right, time to, time to put on my bulletproof vest and wait into the comments. But, like, somebody uh, said, 8 out of 10 is pretty good, though, as long as people don't start sending death threats to ZTGT. <laughs> like what happened with Twilight Princess way back, then it's all good. I don't remember and, the uh, Twilight Princess conversation, I apologize, I don't... I don't think it was with us. Okay, I, 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 I was gonna say, somebody. I don't think it was us, but... I, I think it was somebody nice. else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really. And then the the OP the was quite clearly trying to stir up shit, but was like, I don't really care what they give it. Lol. Just thought I'd share because I hadn't seen anything below a ninety before this. And then, of course, the next comment under is, "Look at us, we're so quirky." Dude, I don't. Th- I think if we wanted to be I... quirky, we would have given it a lot less than an eight out of ten. We would we would fucking run ads on our site. Like, you stupid, stupid people. You know when you go to your site and like you don't have ad blocker on and there's no ads on the site? Maybe that's because we don't run ads on the site. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's just a very weird place because, like, yeah, 8 out of 10 is not a bad score. And, like, I, I've read through the review. I've looked at other things. And, uh, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't understand how some people see a perfect game in there. The thing about it is that, like, I'll say this, right? Like, at the same time, while I gave it an 8 out of 10, I will not criticize anyone that gave it a 10 out of 10 in their review. Because ultimately, the way the reviews function and the way the scores are indicative of what your opinion is for that particular uh, game has to be with their personal experience and the things that they were expecting from the game, right? Sure. So I went into the game expecting something, and I didn't get what I was hoping for, and my experience was soured because of all these technical issues and the problems with the open-world design, and that's why my score reflected as such. Uh, but at the same time, I have to spend a lot of my time on the review talking about the criticisms because... That's kind of what reviews are meant to do. They're ter- they're supposed to point out the the pros and cons of something, right? Mm-hmm. And if you need to take time out to go ahead and point those out, then you know it makes it makes sense for you to kind of uh, spend a lot of your paragraphs doing so. But those people that gave it a ten out of ten, either a they just didn't find those same issues that I had to be a problem. For example. People love filler content in open world games. They love it. They love going through all the like nook and cranny. Even if it's like repeated bosses, they don't care as long as they get cool stuff at the end. So that's that's not a problem with them. And if they're also not someone that is not as uh, PC savvy or kind of has high expectations of PC games as I am, then they'll see these stutters and issues of the, about the game, and they'll be like, "Well, you know, it's not." It's, it's the problem is there, but it doesn't bother me that much. It doesn't really, you know, hamper my experience. And then they can still give it a 10 out of 10 because overwhelmingly, despite these small flaws, according to what they feel is, um, they still had a fantastic experience and they feel that the game is a masterpiece. So when I score games differently from other people, I'm, you know, 
I'm never going to say like, oh, you're 10 out of 10, you're 9 out of 10, you're, you're 7 out of 10 is incorrect. Only my score is correct. That's fucking bullshit because all these reviews are subjective and we only have to talk about our experiences and justify them with the score and the contents within the review. It just, I just hope that people actually read the reviews instead of just seeing the score and then kind of go about it uh, from that way. I do want to, I do want to read some other comments. Um, in that thread uh a lot of them are kind of sarcastic stuff like i say we burn them at the stake uh you know somebody pointed out that it's the lowest review for elden ring that they had seen but then you know you get comments like repetitive dungeons and poor pc performance seems like they could be fair criticism and again the op sort of trying to stir up shit goes i don't think pc performance should affect review scores if they're not playing on the day one patch with the latest drivers especially since from told digital foundry to wait for the patch except we are now at the point where Digital Foundry has run their video and has clearly pointed out the issues. Um, yeah, and, it uh, makes me it, it makes me a little uncomfortable that From asked them not to run it until the patch, and then the patch comes out and it's bad. It's like if they'd have ran it, they'd have ran it before the game came out, and I think that's why From told them not to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because I was surprised to not to see a Digital Foundry tech review on Embargo Day, right? I'm sure a lot of people were expecting it too. And the fact that they kind of held them off, I, I, can, I can respect the whole like uh, relationship between a developer and you know us, like the journalists and involved. Well, not journalists because we're not journalists, because we're like PC reviewers and coverage websites. Um, but at the same time, like if they have all of the control, then you're doing a disservice to the consumer, right? Yep. So ultimately, we are for the consumers. We don't, I mean, ult- we respect the developers, of course. And we, when we get our hands on these games, we give them the respect that they deserve because this is a lot of people's hard-earned time and money, right? Just kind of going into it. And when people kind of give games bad reviews as a joke, I think that's disgraceful, not to, not just to like uh, yourself, but to everyone else in the gaming industry, because that's someone else's work, man. You might as well be seeing someone's fucking, uh, you know, a selfie and then talking shit about it. <laughs> that's not, that's not cool. That's not something that you should be doing. That's not, you know, that's not something that we do. But for us, when people say like, Hey, you have to wait for a day one. Uh, you know, thing. It's like that's generally not going to happen. These reviews have to go out if you're gonna if they're gonna mean much of anything in general. If we have the ability to put it out before embargo, we will do so even without day one patch. If they do mention something about hey, we're gonna fix up in day one, we will certainly mention that in the review. But we will never change a review score based on something that happens after the fact, unless on on you know in case unless there is some kind of extreme extreme situation have we ever done that can we change the review of a game like the, the score itself Never, the i don't fact? think don't think i've ever changed the score i have gone I back in and put a note yes yes that makes I've sense had to i had to make ken had to have ken figure out how to give us game a zero like a no score at one point oh because yeah because if i put in, zero in it doesn't do anything yeah so i like because i, cause I reviewed a game that was like saved from the bowels of hell called ultra core. It was actually called hardcore originally. And like, I could not get that game past a certain point. And, uh, I ended up going back to it later on and I still had the same issues. And I was just like, well, I mean, maybe other people don't have this issue, but like, to me, like this game is unfinished. Like there's a reason why it never came out originally on the Genesis or whatever it was. And so it's like, how do I even score this when I'm literally stuck at one point and like the rest of the game was going smoothly 
And then it's just this one jumping segment that, like, no matter how I time it, it doesn't seem to work properly. I'm like, well, the game's not done. Like, it was not never really done. Like, it's great that they put some work in to finish it, but, like, maybe this doesn't deserve a score. I'm like, I'm not going to shit on it, because maybe this is a problem I have and no one else seems to. But it's also a game that was never supposed to see the light of day. So at some point I went, ah, no score. That's just the easier way to put it. Um, but, like, you know, it's... Uh, I can't think of there's ga- there's games I'd go back if I were to review them again I would probably change the score like uh, I gave Resident Evil 2 remake a 10 and the more I've learned about Resident Evil 2 the original since then and the way that the two campaigns and the remake are just kind of the same campaign um, unlike the original RE2 um, I'm like yeah, I'd probably drop that at least 0. 0.5. It's still an amazing game. I still think everyone should play it, but, like, now yeah, that I, I know more about the past, it's like... I, I think your review for that is perfect for what it is, Anthony, and I'll tell you why. Because I love that review, uh, especially because you came in as a newcomer to the series without any prior knowledge. And that's why that perspective was so valuable. Um, when it comes to games where people have been playing these kind of games or series as a generation, those reviews tend to be more frequent and more popular compared to the ones where people are going in for the first time. Um, so I think your 10 out of 10 at that point, your, your pure experience from a newcomer standpoint, you know, reflected that. And I think that's perfectly fine. And you should not th- you know, have to think about having to go back and change it because no, of something that you didn't know about. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be because it, it is that moment in time. Um, yeah. But it's one of those ones where it's like if I were to rewrite it, because I think that's the thing. Like I, I wouldn't go back and change a score. I would write an, a, a new review no, because the experience changed. So it's like if I had done um, and I think the best example of this is like, say, No Man's Sky. If I did No Man's Sky when it came out, it would have been a bad review. But if I had gone back to it later and decided on my own accord to go, hey, this is a very different game, I would write a new review because not only has the game changed, but my experience of the game has changed. Um, yeah. And that's the thing with like Resident Evil 2, the game hasn't changed, but my experience outside it has, so it changes the game fundamentally. And that's the reason why like when people were kind of complaining about your score on this, uh, it it's it was funny to me because not only was it from people that hadn't played the game because it was not publicly released, and that's a lot of this Reddit thread as well. Um, it, it's people that clearly don't know you. Um, you know, like there's one guy says, same guy gave Sekiro and Demon Souls a nine point five, so it's definitely just to generate clicks and to get himself some attention. No, that to me that, that tells me this that doesn't that even that, make any sense yeah it's it's counterproductive to the thought process like this is a guy who clearly loves this with a passion so i wouldn't look at them and look at your score and go oh this is uh just him trying to get attention i would go oh this tells me that there's something fundamentally different about this that he doesn't like and it could be just technical issues it could be the repetitiveness, it doesn't matter. It just, the score alone would tell me, oh, there's something that, like, he does not like about this game. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Earth Defense Force. I'm the one that reviews them for the website. And uh, we're getting to the point where it's like, if I review another Earth Defense Force game and it's not fundamentally different, I'm going to be pretty tired of it because it's like they pump one out almost every year. 
And like, there's only so many times I can give it like a 7.5 before it starts dropping off because I've seen it all before. Um, so it's just a, it's a, it's a thing where it's like, I, I look at what, if you're going to look at what the same person has written before, I think it tells you where that person's interests lie. And yours definitely says you like FromSoft games. <laughs> like the whole thing has just been so confusing to me because at least with mine, uh, you know, a way out is very, because that's the one that I got the most criticism for, even though I think it shouldn't be. There, there's other reviews I feel like people should complain about more. Um, it was my first review, and there's nothing really like A Way Out to give some credit to that game. Um, like, so there, like, what could you go on? Maybe I was just trying to make a name for myself, but I wasn't. I didn't like the game, but uh, well, this is just such I a mean, weird like... response. Like, it's so is... important to kind of clarify where you're coming from. That's why the first paragraph of like almost every review, I kind of tried to put it down. Like if I'm reviewing like an RPG series that's like long term, like Tales or Final Fantasy or whatever, I'll talk about like kind of my history with the series and from soft as well. Like I talk about like my excitement and you know the whole uh, trepidation that I might have had about it being open world and all that stuff and the history of from soft as well. So that's kind of important, and that's kind of on the reviewer. Like, uh, a consumer doesn't need to have a fucking, you know, uh, bio, uh, you know, they don't have to have any prior knowledge to the reviewer to actually understand. But at the same time, it's the reviewer's job to kind of let them know. It's like, hey, this is my experience with this kind of game, this kind of game series. And that's one of the reasons why I spend a lot of times in the first uh, few paragraphs kind of laid down, laid down. And it kind of gets annoying because, like, for example, I played a lot of Adelier games and I reviewed a lot of them. Having to go through the same kind of initial structure of the paragraph or talking about how I've been playing this game for decades, it kind of gets tiresome for me. But at the same time, I have to do it like that because the first time someone reads my review is probably going to be the first time they read a review from me. You know, from that point, so it's unavoidable, but it, it is what it is. But if you're so, digging into somebody's past, like that guy clearly did on the website, um, mm. you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, but Demon's Souls might be worth a nine point five. Like, but you, you can clearly see weird, that he, he didn't read it. He didn't read it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Of course, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, take it's, it's just it's just a weird scenario where it's like I I think I, I I've never been in the scenario where I know the person and I know their tastes well enough that it's funny to me to see a review score that ignites people in the way that this one did. When I know, like, if I... Listen, if I needed to know, like, what's a good RPG to play or what's a good, I guess, Souls-like game to play, I'd come to you, Jay. Like, you're the guy I would ask. So, like... Yeah, so for them to be like, look at this, look at me try to discredit this score, I'm like, that score should be way more obvious. And I, I think the the comment, I've looked through the Reddit thread, I was looking for a specific comment, but somebody had pointed out, like, don't you want to know about the the PC issues? Like, we went through this with Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that, you know, uh, a year and a bit ago, Cyberpunk came out and had all these glowing scores, and then when the game came out, everybody realized all the issues and questioned everything. And we're back at the point where it's like a bunch of tens. Now, to be fair, some of those people probably did not play on the PC and may have not even run across those issues. I'm not saying that. It doesn't seem to be nearly as bad as Cyberpunk's. I get it. But, like, 
you know, we just went through this of like, hey, maybe we should have somebody point out the issues beforehand, even if they're going to be patched out day one. Maybe they don't get patched out day one. Yeah, we can't. We can't review our games with the hypothetical of a possibility that might happen. We can only review them in the state that they're given to us. It's on the developer's responsibility to have the game in a state where reflects the game that the people are going to be playing on day one. Uh, that's not that's not our job. That's their job to have it in the state. And that's the thing. Like it, we don't we often don't get these games like that early. I think I got Elden Ring maybe like a week and a half, like two weeks before embargo day. Right, Ken? Like. Yeah, I think, it, I think it was closer to a week. Yeah, so I fortunately had some time off during that week. Um, so that's really the only reason that was I had the time to actually complete the game. Otherwise, there were, would have been no chance unless I beeline through it. So, like, long story short, just to put, like, a pin on this particular topic event, I will say is that always read the review and take scores with a grain of salt because scores may not reflect what kind of experience that you might have personally. If you read my review and if you saw the saw the elements that I was bringing up as criticism, talking about not being able to toggle V-Sync, no ultra-wide, you know, these stutters and stuff like that, if you look at all those things, it's like, hey, these things mean nothing to me. Then you would have known Then this review would have been much higher for you personally, right? So in that way, always read the review and don't focus too much on the score, for the love of God. It's not good for you or anyone else in the business. Um, but now that we got that ugly ugliness out, uh, you know, this whole controversy shit, which I, you know, which I don't particularly enjoy too much because, you know, I think it's it comes a little too too hard and too fast. I know they're passionate, they're excited fans and everything, but that kind of temperament often uh, draws in some undesirable behavior uh, of immaturity. So that's kind of what's at showcase here. But for I the just want you games, to know. Yeah. I sent uh, every death threat I sent to you. I meant it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, thank you so much. As long as it comes from the heart, you know, it absolutely does. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> but uh, to talk about the actual fucking game instead of the controversy. Oh, why? Why would you thing. want to talk about the actual game? That's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I you know I I know that it's not going to get the clicks for this podcast, <laughs> and we're not going to make the big no, box. They, they've already they've already checked out. They heard Ken and I's voice and went, "Oh no, it's another episode with just them." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so guess what, guys? Elden Ring is is a great game. Hey, that, that's, that's what I hear. Fantastic. That's what I yeah. hear on the internet. It's pretty fantastic. Um, the the issues that I I told you about they they exist and they hamper the experience for sure. But overall, it's fantastic. It's it's quite the achievement, to be frank. I've never gone into a world and had so many moments where I said, "Holy shit, this is fucking huge!" It's like every five hours, I had this exact same reaction. <laughs> I unlock another part of the map. I go to like an underground, a city in the fucking sky, and I say. Holy shit, this game is fucking huge. <laughs> and I say it over and over again. It's honestly, it's very impressive how much they are able to fit into this game. If you combine all of Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3, you could probably fit it into this one world pretty easily without any question. And it, it was kind of crazy in that way. And there's so much things that you can do, so many different types of like legendary armors and uh, not legendary weapons. Uh, some really cool looking armors and all manner of skills and spells and stuff that you can get. 
Like I spent hours just resetting my stats, trying out new builds with different types of magic and faith related things. And I came across this final build that I made where there is this potion that you can drink that you can kind of customize. You can pick two sides, right? So one increases my magic damage temporarily, greatly. The other gives me infinite mana for a very short duration. Now I combine those two together along with a channelable spell, which looks like a fucking Kamehameha. So it's like this beam of energy uh, that I shoot out. And I went from having to fight bosses for like, I don't know, like like five, six minutes sometimes because I was like hitting so low to the point where I was basically killing them in five seconds with that one attack. So you can get crazy different types of results as far as what you're able to experiment with and all that other stuff. And honestly, this could be the easiest and the most difficult game from FromSoft history based on the way you decide to approach it. I posted a link for um, like getting strong early. And if you follow that guide, the beginning of the game is going to be mostly trivial to you. If you don't follow a guide like that, and if you kind of try to start strike out on your own, you're going to have a hard time, especially early on. So it really comes down to whether or not you're willing to like look things up and kind of explore and do all the side stuff before you really start tackling the other difficult content. If you go to an area and you can go to areas that uh, you're currently under level four, uh, you can you can tell because they'll kill at you kill you basically by looking at you. And um, you're going to have a bad time. But if you're stubborn like I am and you feel feel like, oh, I can definitely do this if I play it perfectly. If I hit him 160 times and if I don't get hit once, I could definitely beat him. And that's the kind of deranged mechanical thoughts that's going through my head sometimes. And I go through with it. It takes hours, but I do it. And it feels amazing at the end. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to spend two hours trying to beat one boss. You know, you can try to go do some other things. You can strike out on some other distance, uh, other distant land that totally undiscovered, get some new skills, get some new equipment, and come back when you're 20, 30 levels higher, and then basically be at either even footing with the boss or be a little bit more powerful than the boss and then have a pretty easy time at it. So in that way, it's, it's actually pretty easy to recommend in a lot of ways. If it wasn't for the technical issues, I would say like, oh yeah, definitely try this game out and then play through with like watching, like walkthrough videos and other things of that nature. If you are not confident in kind of striking a lot on your own, there's no shame in it. We, we talk about, um, you know, how difficult games can be, but this one specifically, you have more options than any other in order to make the experience more palatable for you. Um, and the, the game also has some good, like, quirky, fun design as well, where you have the spirit bells that you can ring. Basically, basically for any boss encounters, you can ring, like, a bell to summon, like, various different types of, uh, spirits. And if you level them up, they become so strong that, uh, I built this one particular build where I would summon my spirit, who is, like, a legendary warrior. He's, like, a rogue assassin. And I would do nothing but buff and heal him. And then he kills the boss for me. And that's 100% viable for like 99% of the bosses. I so believe can... I watched my friend summon a group of like peasants, mm-hmm. zombies, that just slowly attack the enemy. 
Yeah, the the summons get crazy, and uh, that's one of the things that you discover uh, by you know exploring the the world and finishing these side dungeons and stuff like that too. So you know leveling them up and kind of getting them up to par is is, is fun to do. Um, the only thing that I haven't been able to do at all in this game, particularly, is the multiplayer aspect, and that's because it's partially because of my fault because I vastly over leveled everyone else through my review process. I, when I finished the game, I was at around level 120. At this point, I'm currently at like level 170. So I can't match with anyone online. It's just not, not fair for them. So I haven't been able to play any multiplayer at all, even though I want to help people like finish bosses and stuff. And that would just be me going into the boss gate along with them, shooting Kamehameha, the boss dies, and then we leave. But I can't even do that because I'm also still too powerful. So it's kind of kind of a... Is it, is it, is it yeah. cross-play? Like, can you jump in an Xbox or PlayStation game from the PC? I don't know. I haven't looked into that. Mm. Um, I'm just that's, curious. I'm sure that's that would be kind of neat, because I know they have those group passwords and stuff like that that allow people to play with each other, but I'm not sure how soul levels work when it comes to matching. All I know is that I have put out signs, kind of sat there waiting for people to summon me for like 30 minutes, 20 minutes at a time in various different points of the game. I never got summoned once. I tried to have invaders come to me. Nobody ever came. So, you know, you know, not not being part of the zeitgeist has uh, that, that, that negative aspect to it. Um, but uh, some of my favorite experiences in the game is um, I was fighting this humanoid uh, boss. And it was not even a boss. It's like a mini boss, but it's very tough. Um, and upon my like fifth or sixth attempt, I went back and I thought to myself, like, well, maybe I can try to kill him with the environment. So there's this boulder that uh, gets summoned and kind of comes down. And I was able to lure him to the boulder and eventually slowly watch him get squashed by the boulders over and over again, laughing maniacally all the while. <laughs> and when I was looking at the behavior of the boulders, I, was, I thought to myself, like, they kind of lean towards me. They almost look like they're making a beeline towards me, which doesn't make, make any sense uh, from a physics standpoint, right? That's stupid. And I was like, well, that's just kind of gaming. That's stupid. But later down the line, I ended up in this underworld, uh, under, underworld city where these little silver ball-like creatures are there, the smaller, and they kind of attack by kind of like morphing into different types of weapons and kind of shooting them at you. And I was like, well, they kind of look like a little bit of the boulders. And eventually I come across this area and there's this giant boulder that's hanging up there, right? And these little silver enemies that I just mentioned are dropping from that boulder. And I was like, oh... The boulder is not a boulder. The boulder is a ball of these creatures that are alive and sentient. And then eventually the boulder comes down and starts chasing me, trying to kill me, which is about as hilarious and as terrifying as it sounds like. <laughs> but like, there's so many different like fun discovery and uh, moments like that, like sprinkled throughout the game, uh, that it was just a joy to explore. So you know, it's one of those things where. If any of those kind of moments sound interesting and if you're kind of afraid of the whole difficulty uh, side of it, uh, like I mentioned, you know, if you're not afraid to look things up and you should, you shouldn't be, to be frank, I think this is the age of the internet. You know, nobody, nobody's going to be giving you shit. Nobody, nobody decent human being will give you shit for looking things up on the internet for you to have a, a better, more enjoyable experience for a video game that you bought, okay? I don't, I don't like those people that are like, oh, you, oh, you play with a fact. Oh, oh, casual. Fuck those people. What What's important is your experience 
And if you can get into like a Souls game for the first time and, you know, you enjoy the experience because you went through a couple other steps along the way to make it more enjoyable for yourself, then all the more power to you and kudos. So in that way that it has my recommendation, I just hope that they've, you know, figure out something to do with these uh, PC issues, which is, it's really sours the experience, but you can still play, uh, play through it. It's kind of a bummer that it exists. I saw that it's kind of uh, based off of like Viking mythology. Uh, there's Viking mythology stuff in there. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. uh, the world tree, Yggdrasil, is oh, right. basically the center point of where my friend was. Then there's like what looked like a giant, like part of the env- as part of the environment. Like I saw a giant face in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the thing that like was like, oh, I kind of want to play this, even though like I have played enough Souls games to know that I'm like. I'm not going to enjoy this. <laughs> um, was watching him get on his horse thing and then do platforming. Mm-hmm. Like, the double jump on the horse sort of breaks the environment at times. Like, you can just jump up on things and he's, like, going around buildings and stuff. And I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. that's awesome. Like, I'm glad, like, there was a... a that whole jump mechanic has, is like a fundamental change, which hasn't been there before. So now they can kind of go vertical oh, with yeah. things. They they do it. They do it devilish here sometimes. Uh, oh, really? Like you have to be really precise with certain. But this is all like side content. Like in the main yeah, story yeah. stuff, you don't have to worry about it. But if you delve into it, there's like this part where you have to make several difficult jumps to get to the bottom. Otherwise, you just die. So there's some challenging aspect to that, but yeah, I'm very glad that it exists. Not only that, but it also works really well in combat too. Like that jump attack is so good. Like it closes the distance very quickly. It does a heavy stacker attack that does a lot of damage. The only problem is if you whiff it, you're probably going to get punished. So you got to be careful on how to use it. But definitely a great addition to the formula. I I expect all Souls-like games in the future to continue having jump buttons. Uh, as kind of like their main one of their main uh, save points, along with the dodge button. All right. Uh, anything else besides Eternal or Elden Ring? I was almost uh, an Eternal Ring. I was like, well, I'm really fucking going back now. That's that's a that's different <laughs> yeah, from PS2 software game. game. Yeah, I'm deep cutting some from software games now. What's up? What, you even do you even cookies and cream, bro? <laughs> I do. I love that game. Uh. I kind of want to play at some point. I know I, I know it's not going to be a good time, but I want to play one of the Kingsfield games at some point. Have you Ooh, played any of them? Oh, oh, I have. Yeah. How was it? Dude, it's rough. It's rough. It's yeah. really rough. It's, there's better experiences that are clearly the same sort of thing, but, like, <laughs> obviously you don't get, like, fuck, one of the King, is it Kingsfield or is it Shadow Tower, where it's, like, your health is your currency? Oh, I think that's Shadow oh. Tower. Uh, yeah, that sounds they're, rough. <laughs> they're rough. They're they're what? Uh, I think it's Kingsfield. You start off, and if you go the wrong way, you get eaten by an octopus and are dead. That's the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah, that that sounds. It's but one. It's one of those things. Like I look at the Steam Deck, and people are talking about like emulation on it. I'm like, hmm, what? What emulation stuff that would I want to play? And I was like, hmm, PS4, Kingsfield. The, the best from software early games from, and I haven't played them, so don't don't quote me on this. But I've been told that the best from software games that are like super early on to play 
is the uh, point and click adventure there. Um, uh, the one that takes place on the train, partially, and then a boat. Um, oh my god, really? I'm drawing a blank right now. Uh, they well, had one I'm on sure PS2. it'll come back to you. <laughs> sure it will. From, from Soft Game. They, they made an adventure game? Hmm. Yeah, they've made three of them. Uh, the second oh. one you have to... Uh, Echo Knights? Is that Echo Knight? That's go. the one. Oh. I've been told the, that series is the one to play of their early, early stuff. I, I tried to play the one on PS2. I think the one in space. Yeah, that one's apparently the roughest. Yeah, I did I did not have a good time with that game in the first like hour, so I just stopped playing it. But yeah, no, the first ages the f- ago. First one I've been told is really good except for a casino segment. Holy where they shit. Force I... you to play casino games and you're like, why are you doing this to me? I totally forgot Cookies and Cream was made by From Software. Yeah, I wasn't kidding. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot that. And it was Project Phantasma was the second armored core game. That's the one I was trying to think uh, of. Okay. Uh they what the heck is Cookies and Cream's a game? What kind Dude, of game is that? Okay. Adventures of Cookies and Cream is a co op so, game. Yeah, Whoa. so it's a you play as two like rabbits and it's a platformer that like you see kind of from the top down but you're playing as two characters simultaneously cookies and cream and uh what's neat is like the left analog stick and the but like the shoulder buttons control cookie and then the right analog stick and the shoulder buttons controls cream but you can play it multiplayer using either two controllers or sharing one controller um, and then they did something with the DS, uh, where, like, I think you control one with the stylus. And it's the same game, but you control one with the stylus and then one with the, uh, like, the actual buttons. I've never even heard of this game, so that kind of sounds neat. It, it's, it's a neat little title, and it, like, doesn't look like anything else from software makes. Yeah. Um, but Elden Ring, you know, sold Gangbusters. I think it's gonna. Has it? Is it already the best-selling Souls game, or is it not past Dark Souls three yet? It's gonna. I don't know if they've put out numbers yet. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I would not be surprised if they break like fucking five million before the end of March or something like that. I know it was close just... to a million on Steam, so I, five million is not not even out of the realm of possibility. No, no, it, it certainly is not. Uh, pro- I think it's one of the most like concurrent played games on Steam for a long time. Uh, oh, I will say that for anyone that does play Elden Ring, uh, at me when you beat Melinia, because that that is an achievement. Holy shit! I don't think I took more attempts to beat any other boss in my gaming life than I have beating that fucking boss. Um, and I'm I'm not trying to like spook people into it. It's just a side boss, right? But it's like a side super boss, uh, and um, the mechanics are all sorts of messed up for that fight. And when I beat it, oh man, that was that was satisfying. So feel free to take on that challenge and add me uh, when you when you beat it, because I would love to know how you did it. Because uh, there hasn't been that many people on the internet that's actually gotten there yet. But uh, yeah, that's it. I, you know, I have some other games that I've been playing and whatnot, but uh, I mostly wanted to talk about the Elden Ring today. I gotta go you talk about them, because everybody knows what I've been playing, so it's been the same thing I've been playing for the last, like, two months, so I'm just... Uh, what? Mm. I mean, it's not a game that's even available in the States. Do I even talk about it? I mean, I imported uh, Kuro no Kiseki, which is the latest game from um, uh, Falcom, you know, uh, from the the trail series, and uh, it's it's been it's been 
challenging because my Korean is not as good as my English. So when I play this game, and I'm, I'm think I mentioned something similar to this uh, round before. How I play it is that I, I play pretty close to TV with a chair there, and I have my cell phone there on at all times in Google Lens mode, which translate on. And I point my camera directly at the screen of some words and sentences that I can't understand, which happens like a couple of times every couple of times like every thirty minutes or something like that. So maybe like ten times every thirty minutes. So like I have to look at it and then it translates the words for me so I can kind of get a gist. So it's not only been a good gaming experience because the new game is great. They introduce a bunch of new characters, new location, whole new battle system and all that stuff. But it's also been good for me as just kind of like relearning Korean. So, hey, gaming helps life, man. Hey, can't complain about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's basically it. That's the games that I'm focused on. I might review Triangle Strategy if it comes in next week i think it's the first week of march but is that uh, game really out that soon yeah uh i think it's like march 4th or march 3rd or something like that holy shit i didn't know it was out that soon but yeah nintendo code shows up yeah and then you know we got the grand turismo coming out in march as well that also kind of snuck up on me yeah like i i know some people have it and sony said they were going to send me a code and i still haven't seen it so i haven't played it so i don't know well, we'll see. Hopefully, you get it, and you can tell us all about it. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, I hope good. it's. I hope it's going back because I I've been kind of tired of this multiplayer sport shit. You know, like <laughs> one through four were so good, so good. Mm-hmm. I I don't think there is another racing game that I put more time into than Gran Turismo One. Uh, and I put a lot of time into two, but one. Well, actually, no, one and three are the ones that I put the most amount of time into, and boy, one especially was like. I don't even like racing games. I put like over a hundred hours into that game. It was so good. So I hope they kind of relight my love for racing, which hasn't really been a thing. Uh, you know, yeah, we we played a shit ton of that first game. We would yeah. that was back when we were like mastering corners and shit between that and Ridge Racer, just playing nonstop. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, good times. All right. Uh, so Anthony, did you say you had anything? Did you have something? Uh, I oh, listen, I played Theatrhythm. Is that how you pronounce it? The Final Fantasy rhythm game. I always thought it theater, was theater, theater theater rhythm. Theater rhythm. Theater rhythm. Dude, I love that game. game. It's like uh, one of my I, favorite 3DS games. I picked it up because obviously the 3DS shop is gonna go kaput at some point, and I found copies physically for like fifteen dollars of both uh, the first one. And the second one, which is Curtain Call, and was like, all right, let's pick up both of those. And uh, yeah, I uh, I enjoy it. There's not much to say about it. You tap to the time of the beat. And you had like a little Cosby in you there, like, tap to the time of the beat. Tap to the time of the beat. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's about it. But like, fuck, I'm really impressed with how good it is. Um. Yeah, I mean, otherwise it's been Assassin's Creed. Everybody, fucking, tired of hearing about it. I get it. Hey, I played Assassin's Creed this week. Yeah, but not Origins. No, I went back to Valhalla. I'm what five? I'm five five years away from Origins. I think at this point, or four years away. From... You mean Valhalla, right? No. Oh, oh, you mean from when it came out? I got. Yes, 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 yes. I thought you meant until you get to play Valhalla. I was like, no, I mean, uh, listen, me. That might be true too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have all the DLC in Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm just going around and I'm like, up oh, that outpost I haven't finished yet. Dude, Assassin's Creed games don't end. 
they really don't like uh, fuck. then there's the weekly things where i'm just like i want to be powerful enough to take on the gods so i can get like the legendary armor or whatever and shit and just i can just like stop trying to steal all my time thank you yeah assassin's creed um, you can literally buy one assassin's creed game every year and that's the only game you need well, okay, so so you you jokingly say that my dad will this is this is my dad's gaming stuff. Um he has a PS5. The only thing he has I think that's like for PS5. Like he'll buy a game like Ratchet and Clank. He played Ratchet and Clank. I know that. But he'll do um he he plays what did the Ghost Recon, the first one, the uh Wildlands? Uh yeah, that's the first. Yeah, so he plays a lot of that multiplayer. Still, because he didn't like the second one. Most people um, didn't like Breakpoint. I yeah, nobody liked Breakpoint. I know, but he was like, yeah, I, he was playing the uh, multiplayer in that. Um, this is a man who refused to play multiplayer for the longest time, and then now it's what he mainly plays. Um, and he'll play like an Assassin's Creed, but the things that steal most of his time are like Neo, and so Neo, like he has probably the most hours out of anybody because I know that his. A screenshot of his time went to Reddit from one of the guys he played with, <laughs> um, and it was like three thousand hours within the first year of launch. <laughs> Wait, Neo One or Neo Two? Uh, Neo Two. Oh, okay, but he played both of them, and like uh, at this point, Neo's old, but like he picked up Demon Souls, played that, uh, and now he's probably onto Elden Ring. And he's one of those guys where it's like Assassin's Creed isn't his only game, but it'll be the game that he plays when like people aren't like his friend is not online to play Dark Souls with or whatever. So he's that type of person. I understand. Right now, it's my the, really the only game I've played this year <laughs> for Origins. Jesus so. Christ, I just did the math. God damn it. I was going to say that your well, dad played more Neo than I played Overwatch, and then I realized he has not. <laughs> No, I knew he hasn't. I had to do the days to hours conversion. <laughs> and I think part of that I think part of that also is leaving the console idle for a little bit, but even if it you half the time, which is probably accurate, that was still a lot for a first year <laughs> yeah, of that's, a game. I mean so, I, I'm at least like we're coming up on six years. Yeah, 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 yeah. He'll play the game to death. Like he played Dark Souls three, he finished it. And then just kept playing by, like, standing there and, like, waiting for people to invade other players and then just killing the people that invaded. They, 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 they uh, if, uh, I don't get it. I don't get the appeal. But whatever. Hey. Whatever you like, man. It's all good. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, just not a lot. I've been trying to grab as much stuff off the 3DS store um, before it ends. I know it's not. I know it's a ways away, but I can't remember when they said they're not going to take funds on the store anymore. Which is kind of when the shop ends. I think it's the end of this year. I think it's August. Yeah, which is still a ways away, but still, I just want to get it done as soon as possible. Got a sixty-four gig card. I had to format it to FAT thirty-two, which you need a special program for because Windows love, won't do it. Don't you love all this shit you got to do to make shit work and other shit? Just if I can. Plug and play, right? I can't deal with the stress, Ken. <laughs> everything has to be put on hold while I f make sure everything's playable 17 years from now, as if 
I'm gonna give a shit then. That's that's kind of my point. Is like I see all these people like freaking out about <laughs> stuff with like disappearing. I'm like, dude, I ain't gonna give a shit. Like I have a terabyte drive in my PS3 just because they said, ah, we're gonna shut down the store. And I'm like, I'm gonna make sure I have every update downloaded to the hard drive. I'm gonna tell you this. So this week there's a bug on the Xbox Store. <clears throat> you know how like you go into your uh, owned games and it'll tell you how many games you have. Yeah. Um, so there's a bug this week that is like making games disappear from that library. And in mine, I had over 3,200 games and it dropped. Yeah, I know it dropped down to 2,900 and my reaction was just like, eh, okay. (laughs) Oh, Oh, thank God I don't have to deal with that. Yeah, it's a bit different with digital stuff. I'd be more upset if it was, like, clearly stuff I know, but, like, most of your sh- stuff is, like, indie shit that you get every week. It, you know what? I, it took me forever to finally figure out something, because, like, the Xbox person reached out to me. They're like, hey, can you DM me a game that's missing? I was like, you have, like, 3,200 games, and you want me to figure out which one is missing? <laughs> so I finally did figure out one that was missing from my library, and it was, like, all the rare replay stuff. So Weird like, that that it, would be the one, but okay. But it it doesn't show that I own it, but if you go into the store it says you own it. It just doesn't show up in my library. So I know it's just no, a bug. Well, as long as yeah, as long as it's just a bug, I couldn't give us Yeah, but like when you have that many games, like digging through to figure out like, well, I don't fucking know what's missing and then I just kinda shrugged my shoulders and was like, I don't know. Oh Ken, it, it, we're we're at uh, such a privileged place in our gaming, I guess careers. Oh sure. Because Dude, it, it happens to me all the time where it's like, oh, that game is on sale on Steam. Let me pick it up. You actually own this game already. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. When the hell did I buy this? And that kind it's of shit happens to me all the time. PSN, been... Nintendo, whatever. There's oh, been yeah. some good ones where Ken will be like, the game's coming out this week. And then I'm like, oh, Ghost Point 1.0 looks cool. I just remember that one being one of the ones. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I like open up my Steam. I'm going to add this to my wish list. Oh, I own it. Yeah. I don't remember how I bought that, but okay. Dude, I'll see games like people like put screenshots on like Twitter or something. I'm like, oh, that game looks cool. And I go into my, I, like, I have achievements for it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, shit, I already played this game. My bad. And then the words, like uh, drunken... and, and the words un, uh, early onset dementia comes to your mind. <laughs> like, fuck. Yep. You're, just, you're about to leave. You go to like pull out your keys from the little drawer at, at the desk near and you just find a frying pan, you're like, oh no! Yeah, I mean, this all checks out. I, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting situation to be in. And not only that, like, with the amount of crazy games that we all kind of want to play coming out, like, so many games came out in February that I want to play that I haven't even touched thanks to Elden Ring and Kuro Zeki. Like, I want to play Monarch, I want to play Adderley Sophie 2, and a bunch of other games. I mean, Final Fantasy VI uh, Pixel Remaster. That's the Pixel Remaster of my favorite game of all time, and I haven't even touched it. You know, so it's like, so oh shit! Just be warned that if you go into that, you will sit through that credit sequence while credits do not play. <clears throat> I heard about that. That's funny. <laughs> Six minutes of just sitting there watching the Mexico, and it really loses its importance when you're like, I don't know what's supposed to be happening. What a what a what a what a thing to miss during testing. I, I imagine, I imagine it's probably a directorial preference compared to. Uh, I think it's missing. Well, I, th- I think what happened is that nobody works for the studio that was in that list, right? Like oh. all the names that came up are no longer are relevant. 
That's true. But the smart thing to do would be to put the names of the people that worked on this remaster. Yeah, that would make sense. And it's not like things are, like, totally irrelevant. Like, yeah, the script was still written by someone. Even if they weren't with the studio, they still wrote it. Like, it's video games. Unfortunately, they don't make any money off of once the game is out. They make money as a person that works on it. It's not like um, uh, movies where, you know, you get paid because you get, uh, what is it called? Residuals? Residuals. Yeah, Yeah, royalties. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's weird that they took the names out. But I, I, the same thing, Jay. Like, I'm like, oh, I wanted to play the New Horizon. And I'm like, balls deep in, or, or, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. And I go, it'll happen eventually. (laughs) What, what what gave you the motivation to play Assassin's Creed Origins in February of this year? (laughs) (laughs) What the, what are you you doing? Here's, here's, here's exactly what happened. All right. I'm like, all right, I have a huge backlog, and I need something to to cleanse a palate, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm like, I need something that makes me want to play the video game again. Just a video game. Yeah. I'm going to play The Evil Within. I pop The Evil Within in, and I'm like, I fucking kind of hate this game, is how I felt really? about it. Oh, so I love, the, I, love the, I love the aesthetic, but the... The fucking sort of shitty stealth and like i'm like this game doesn't play fantastic obviously i'm playing the first one yeah. uh i've heard the second one is oh far way better. better oh way yeah 100 percent better but yeah. i'm like i'm going oh, through good. that village i'm like i have to keep lighting bodies on fire i'm like you know i'm like i just i'm running out of ammo they don't want to give me the stuff and it's like i get it like this is survival horror but i'm like this is like just like really not great stealth game like I'm having flashbacks while I'm playing it to playing Dark, which is one of the worst games ever made. Um, and it's not anywhere near the quality of Dark was. Dark is so bad, but like I'm just like, ah, this is a stealth game, but it's like it wants me to engage with everything, and like a stealth game really shouldn't make me have to engage with fucking everything. Like I should be able to stealth pass, but like these enemies don't really move, and I have to kill them all to get the things, and it's like, alright, I'm not really enjoying this. I said, fuck it, Assassin's Creed Origins. <laughs> um, you know, let's give that a shot. Because I just needed something um, to, and I feel like everybody gets it, but, it's, you know, you get burnout on playing yeah. stuff, and so Assassin's Creed Origins, I pick up because I'm like, you know what? Ryan won't shut up about this fucking series. He's not here, so I can make fun of him. Um, Ryan won't shut the fuck up about the series, but he also said, like, play Origins first because of reasons. So I'm like, alright. So I'm playing Origins, and what I kind of expected to be sort of mindless, and at this point it is, because I'm just not doing the missions, um, ended up being this, like, really interesting game about a really interesting character. And I'm surprised, because honestly, I know a lot of people liked Ezio, I could not give less of a shit. <laughs> That's a shame. Ezio is is the best. Ezio's good, and I liked the story surrounding Ezio. But Ezio as a character, I just never had any feelings towards. I wasn't sad when he died. You know. Oh, spoilers! Uh, oh, well, fuck off, Anthony. <laughs> thank you. Now I don't have to play those games. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, well, to be fair, it is a lifetime that you watch of that character. Um, yeah. But it's like. 
you know, it's I don't I don't feel anything towards him, and I don't feel anything towards Altair or uh, is it Jacob? Oh, you're talking about three? three? Oh, yeah, and I don't give a shit Connor. about the character. In... Connor is in three. Yeah, Connor, I don't remember. I don't give a shit about. I mean, there you go. Obviously, I didn't give a shit about Connor. I don't give a shit about most of the characters because, as much as they're good characters, they were tools to drive the plot forward and nothing else. And in Origins, which I know was kind of the reboot of the series, um, Bayek is more interesting than anything going on. His story, while basic of a story of revenge, becomes far more complex as as it fits in with the events of the world. And I just, like, they wrote a really amazing character that i i feel for and and part of that is the acting job and i'm not i'm not shitting on the people that did uh the acting for every other assassin's creed character um it's just like they made me care about this character uh who lost his son and like i don't have a son i shouldn't feel anything about that and just it was it ended up hooking me like i, I honestly jay i expected to have bounced off of assassin's creed origins by now i expected to be like we're done like i i did the things i'm i'm good or i'd like try to beeline just the main story but like some of the side stuff has been interesting um i like going i like the actual combat feels good um i just i'm kind of shocked because Again, normally I bounce off of these games um, at some point. Like, they're either my filler game where I'm like, I just need a fucking mindless game to play right now. Or they, you know, I play them for a short burst and then go, I'm done. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, man. And it's, this this series is, hasn't been for me since, like, Assassin's Creed 2. But I'm very glad that people are still enjoying it. Like, Ryan, for example, seems to really like the series overall. And you're getting introduced to it all over again, and you're having a good time. So, so I'm glad to hear that. So, I, I guess, because like, you haven't been here. Like, the thing that I've been enjoying the most is that... And the thing that I enjoyed about 2 and, and 1, um, even though 1, like, is a slog... Um, of a game, uh, the, the, the sci-fi elements and the sci-fi elements really sort of just were abandoned, kind of at one point, because um, they really seemed to want to wrap up Desmond's story in Assassin's Creed Three. And then by the time you get to Four, you're like, "Wait, just make a historical fiction." And um, Origins decided, like, "No, no, 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 we're not done with that," and in a brilliant twist of writing, have kind of fixed the issues that arose when they fucking tried to drop that aspect. Mm -hmm. And and going through these ancient temples to find, like, this futuristic computer from the past that, like, shoots out a hologram and talks to you in, like, modern-day English... And is saying stuff to you, and and it, like they even they even they even say like, oh, this isn't for him. This is for the person that is in the animus, um, that is experiencing his memories. Like this, is, we are not talking to him. He is just here right now. He won't understand. Okay. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like th- th- you should have never dropped this stuff. 
Um, so it, it leveled up your intrigue a bit and kind of like pulled you back in is what it is then, right? Yeah, like I think I think they could have gotten away with just the historical part in this game still. Like I think they could have won me over just by having Bayek be a really good character and having a really interesting story because it's taking place during the time where Rome is now trying to take over Egypt after the Greeks have already done so. And like that's fascinating stuff. Uh, but... Yeah, they're they're like, no, we're also going to lean heavily into the sci-fi stuff that we really tried to lean away from for a while. Like, Assassin's Creed 4 has some weird... Abstergo is now Ubisoft, and they're making Assassin's Creed games. Meta-narrative, and you're just like, why? Just fucking let me play the pirate shit. Get this fucking nonsense out of here. Um... And it was there still in, like, Unity and Rogue. But, it, again, it never really wanted to lean into that stuff because I feel like they fucked... I think they probably felt like they fucked up so bad in 3 that it just wasn't worth leaning into and they were going to try to do something different. And, no, in this game, there's a character with an animus that is portable and she's in the middle of Egypt in a tomb going back in the memories of a character and slowly having the bleed-over effect. I don't know how much you got into the original series but the bleed over effect was something that they consistently leaned into and never paid off on and like they pay off on it in this game and i was like holy shit they're doing the things they promised fucking what feels like 20 years ago <laughs> okay that that sounds promising i i'm not i'm probably never gonna play this game at it, this point um, I've i'm heard more it. likely to play odyssey than Orison because i heard it's better it but... is yeah. Uh, a better world, because obviously Egypt is a desert, so there isn't going to be too much of a... There's mountainous areas, there's water shoreline areas, and then there's desert. But um, I've been told by Ryan that the combat is more deliberate in this game than it is in Odyssey. Like, um, you parry, uh, and you know you throw guards off by parrying at the right time. Um, and not in the same way that the original Assassin's Creed just kind of parried and then killed a man. Um, you know, you're, you can't just stab everyone in the back with your hidden blade because it won't do enough damage. You have to power that up. Uh, there's a ton of side quests. Like some people have said that like it clearly took inspiration from the Witcher. I don't know how true that is. Cause I haven't played the Witcher, but, um, okay. you know, well, I, I feel yeah. the combat is more deliberate, kind of like a Dark Souls, where you're dodging to, out of the way. To me, to me at this so point, Assassin's yeah, Creed is like a monolith, and <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even want to think about it. I mean, I, and I, honestly, Odyssey, I think, is like, technically takes place before Origins, so... Yeah, just play I, just play the ones that are interesting to you. That's, that's what I mean. Like, there's so much shit going on. But speaking yeah, of uh, palette cleansers and old games, uh, have any of you guys played the new uh, Resident Evil 4 HD? Uh, pack that came out, uh, finally released after many years. The uh, fan patch? Yeah, the the no, HD patch. I've watched it, I have not played it. I don't oh, think man. I own Resident Evil 4 on the PC. <laughs> so it's not it's, it's, so you don't have the one copy you need out of like four other copies you probably do have oh I absolutely have multiple copies of Resident yeah. Evil 4, I just don't think I, I have, have it on PC. That PS2 version mmm that is uh, some yeah. hot jank. It's, it's, it's not great. <laughs> but uh, I, I will say, like, man, like, when I was waiting for, like, the big stuff in February to drop, I just took a little bit of time and did a full playthrough of Resident Evil 4 HD. And, boy, that game is still so much fun. 
And I'm so glad because it's one of my favorite Resident Evil games of all time, but also the one that I feared that might have like aged the aged the poorest out of them all, because you know it was that kind of grandfather of the third person uh, shooter, right? So the whole not being able to move while you're shooting and all these other things in between, I thought it might have uh, you know been really clunky and not fun to play, but I had a blast playing Resident Evil 4. And the HD work that they did was tremendous. The the attention to detail to every single texture in the game, the character models. Oh man, that's what the H uh the HD remaster should have been compared to what we ended up getting with all these different uh you know problems that have with it. So you know if you're interested in revisiting Resident Evil 4 uh at some point, you know, definitely play with that before the whole Resident Evil 4 remake maybe gets announced. That implies I played Resident Evil 4. I and played. That's, that's the way to play it. Yeah, I played Resident I, Evil 4, I, and it's it's. I tried to go back to that HD version, but those controls just. Oh. Ah, they introduced another control scheme, Ken, which I used. It was better. Oh, so they in this PC like mod they added a new control scheme. I believe so. It's the one that I use. You actually use the triggers to shoot now. So that, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, I remember I went back to that 360, mm-hmm. like they re-released it on Xbox One and PS4, and I tried that, and I was like, man, this control sucks. Yeah, I, I used one of the newer control schemes, and it was much, much better. It felt more natural. Pressing one button to take out your knife to swing, picking up, pressing the L2 button to take out your gun, right, or right, right trigger to shoot. All that felt modern. Of course, you still don't have the ability to move while you're shooting, but using the right analog stick to aim your fucking gun, you know, <laughs> makes a whole lot of difference when you're used to that muscle memory for the last uh, decade and some change. Well, not so, only that, but I've heard the rumors that the remake of Four that Capcom is working on is actually going to be more like the original videos of it. Oh, as in like the spooky, scary stuff. Yeah, like the the Leon and the um, what was that in that house where he was like losing his mind and shit. At that point, does it is it even a remake then? That's if what I said. Really different? Yeah, yeah, that's strange. I don't I don't know. Maybe they'll mix them together, kind of like Night Dive did with Power Slave. You know, mix them the Saturn PlayStation version. I don't. Yeah, know. just just add new areas to the game. Well, you know, he's got he's infected with the Las Plagas. He starts hallucinating and seeing all this weird shit. It could be like a big section of the game that he needs to go through. I think that would probably make more sense um, compared to what they did in Resident Evil Three Remake, where they actually literally took out content. You know, add more stuff here. But uh, to be fair, they also still added some content for Resident Evil Three HD and took out some. But the stuff that they took out was more considerable compared to what they added. So hopefully yeah. they'll learn from that lesson and they'll do uh, Resident Evil 4 justice. I think I think they recognize how important that game is to the franchise compared to Resident Evil 3, which originally when it came out was still kind of like one of those leap year spin-off, maybe not even a sequel kind of game, you know, compared to what Resident Evil 2 was, which was like a monumental release for them. So uh, we'll, we'll see what that goes. But, you know, still no official word yet. So yeah. All right. Anything else, Anthony? I haven't even talked about video games yet. What's no, that? no, you go. You go. I, I got nothing. <laughs> All right. I'll try to go through fast. I know we're already like an hour and a half in. We still got more stuff to talk about. Uh, speaking of going back to older games, I finished Cyberpunk. I like that game a lot, actually. I'm glad this game got... Like, don't get me wrong. I'm glad this game got a second chance it's irritating that like this game just shouldn't have been released when it was no no i feel like this game just came out and you know when it listen listen hold on that's the switch mentality you can get fucked (laughs) that's new to me 
<laughs> no, I know that it's been broken for like a year and a half, but like now that it is in a state where it feels good to play, I really enjoy it. Like Jay, like you were mentioning earlier, it's really succinct. You you think it's like this big 70, 80 hour game? Nah. I beat it in 22 hours. Oh, nice. That's a good time for that game. Yeah, and I did quite a bit of side stuff. I didn't do it all. Like, I have a save file that is, like, right before the final mission, and there's still some side stuff that I want to go do. Uh, but I did complete the entire Pan Am quest sideline, oh. which I think... <laughs> that's that's fun. Yeah. yeah, like, the Pan Am stuff was awesome. I didn't finish uh, Rogues. I need to go back and finish that sideline. Uh, and I think there's another third big sideline. Might be Judy that I need to go finish. But I did like half of each of those. I did finish the Pan Am one. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of side content, like you said, but none of them feels like they're necessary to the overarching story arc. There are some things that add to it, like, for example, like the some of the ending stuff and people that come to help during like the big final mission mm-hmm. might change depending on the quests that you do. But outside of that, like you don't really have to do all that stuff. So... People that are concerned about this game gonna take like eighty hours or something like that, they don't need to worry about that. It can be a very lean experience if you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you mainlined it, you could probably do it in about fifteen to seventeen hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, mine in about thirty, and I did mostly everything. Yeah, and the thing is, is I really, really like this world. I like this game. Um, holy shit, the ending I got was really dark. <laughs> like. Uh, without spoiling it, can you give me a hint as to what it was? I trusted Hanako. Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh, you did that. Okay. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. That that was a pretty dark ending. I gotta say, and then the credits really like hit me, where yeah. the the messages are playing over the credits. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's rough, man. None of the endings are particularly happy. I'll say. But that is by far the darkest and most depressing one of them all. Oh yeah, that was a super depressing ending. Um, I was really when you're on when you're in the testing facility, like I felt that, like they just kept doing it and kept doing it. And kept, I was like, is this shit gonna go on forever? <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoyed that game. I think it's finally in a good place to play. Uh, on the consoles, if you've got one of the new consoles, I think it, it, it's it's. I love the design of that world. Like I love driving around on a motorcycle and just looking at all the stupid billboards and like that game. Oh, I wish that game had launched like that and not had yeah. to take a year and some months to get there. Yeah, I think uh, the idea that the game is like recently released, especially for console gamers, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, luckily and unluckily for me, I played the PC version early on. It was just playable enough for me to finish. Yeah, that's uh, the problem. It, yeah, it was. It still soured my experience greatly. If you thought my Elden Ring score was bad, yeah. if I reviewed that game, that game would have been slaughtered by the amount of crashes and unfinishable quest lines that appear during my playthrough. But uh, overall, I still also enjoy that game and. Like you said, you know, we have all these patches and fixes and everything. I'm very excited to go back in for uh, like a like another playthrough using a different uh, build, using like a different origin storyline and kind of going with different things. Yeah, I so, think I'm, uh, yeah. I think I'm going to go back through and do a bunch of the side stuff cuz when you beat the game, they give you a bunch of cool shit. They do. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to go do my side quests with that cool shit cuz I I want to play around with that gun. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that you unlock. There's some. Did you get the gun? By the way, there's like a handgun. 
uh, that automatically locks into people's heads. Yes, the it's one of the tech guns, right? Yes, one of the tech guns. It actually speaks to you and stuff like that after you get uh, you get a certain point. Uh, it actually upgrades depending on how well you use it. Yeah, that that thing is cool, man. It is. It is. Um, and the funniest thing about that gun is that um, at some point you can choose to let it keep killing people, or you can kind of choose to immobilize people. And at that point, I think it just targets their genitals instead, <laughs> instead of targeting their heads. Jesus, <laughs> which <Christ>. is amazing. <laughs> I, I got the samurai the sword, Robocop gun. I got the samurai sword late in the game, and man, that thing was brutal. Oof. Yeah, dismemberment everywhere. Man. Oh yeah, like like heads rolling down stairs mm-hmm. and shit. I was like, God damn, this game, it's so good. It's 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 interesting. Um, also, I, I want to shout out to Keanu. His performance was excellent in that game. I thought he was great as Johnny Silverhand. Absolutely, I all the yeah. way to the end, I was like, this dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's some lines in there that are just like, holy shit. Yeah, it, he played a character that I felt like really showed his range as as an actor because you never felt like you could really trust him completely. But at the same time, you felt like underneath all that bravado, there was still something there, something that's like something that goes beyond his like, you know, anti-government uh, and all these other things and like, you know, the fuck the world kind of nonsense. Um, and he really brought it to life, man. He he really went in there. Some of those monologues that he had, like after I listened to some of those monologues and then like chose like whatever topic that I wanted to talk to, I had to take like a second to like, like uh, center myself because all that shit that was going on, it gets crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is this going to be one of this, one of your game of the years? That was what was funny is like, if this game would have been in this state <laughs> yeah. when it launched, it yeah, probably yeah. would have been a game of the year for me. Yeah. It's it's wild, man. Um, it's crazy that these developers and uh, everyone that works so hard on these games um, end up being slaves to kind of like their corporate master to the degree where they know that the game is incomplete, but they still have to put it out there anyway, mm-hmm. despite the fact and hope for the very best. And it bums me out. I, I felt like it happened to Elden Ring as well uh, as as this one. As it did with Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk specifically because it's so well documented about all the shady dealings and all this weird shit that was going on in the back end. I just want developers to be proud and happy of the game that they released on launch. That's that's what I want. And I want to experience the original artistic designs of these really incredibly talented people in the best state possible. Uh, because I, I want to stop having these controversial fucking topics about technical issues and other things of the nature. There's always going to be some problems here and there, but when it comes to the point where it sours the experience significantly, then you got to take a step back and delay the game uh, yep. as much as you need and then put it out when it's ready. 100%. The No Man's Sky effect in modern gaming. Yes, yes sir. I never, I, Cyberpunk was bad, but man, the way Sony threw Hello Games under the bus for No Man's Sky when they forced them to push it out, that was rough. They made it right, but you know, still, still a mess up situation. Yep, I'm just glad that uh, Cyberpunk is finally a good video game. You should play it. It's probably really cheap. Oh, uh, they put it on half price or whatever. Like it was like thirty bucks Canadian at one point, um, because of uh, the new patch coming out. Yep, and so they they gave like a be. five hour trial on the Xbox, I think. You could just go play five hours of it, which you should, because it's really good. 
Uh, we talked about racing games earlier, but I did play a little bit of Grid Legends, <laughs> which everybody forgot was coming out when I mentioned it a week ago. That's Grid with, like, full motion video story cutscenes. Yeah, I don't need that in my uh, my racing games. Thank you. I'm going to be real honest with you. There's 36 chapters in the story mode. I am on chapter 15, and I've already started skipping them. Like, I don't understand the point of the full motion video cutscenes. Like, Isn't it at least funny, like those Red Alert full motion videos? No, no, dude. It's, like, super serious. Oh, no. Why did they do that? I don't know. And, like... Another really thing that's really driving me crazy is the cutscenes are super fucking quiet. Like I have, so to... they can never they can never match Tim Curry's. The, well, the yeah. Last place, the last place to capitalism has been uh, tainted. Dude, Bice! Command and Conquer Red Alert's cutscenes are like the <laughs> reason to play those games. They're so good. But this is not. It, what kills me is the game wrapped around it is really fucking good. Like. The control, it's its an arcade racer, so don't go into it thinking you're getting a Gran Turismo or a Forza Motorsport. You are getting a, you know, Ridge Racer, Forza Horizon. You're getting an arcade handling racing game that feels really good to play. It's got a lot of variety in both tracks and cars. Uh, supports 120 hertz, which is real nice in a racing game. Uh, visually, it's not, like, on par with, like, the Forza games and especially Gran Turismo, but it looks good. Um, but I just I can't get into the story. It's also got a very confusing menu, which is weird because Codemasters like cut their teeth on you know really cool and slick menu systems back in like the dirt days. But the menu system in this is just a bunch of blocks that's confusing. I don't care much for it. Let's blame EA. Yeah, it's it was weird to see EA be the first logo and then Codemasters be the second logo. That was weird, but... Did um, EA bite them? Yeah, EA bought Codemasters, I think it was about a year ago, maybe? Oh, okay. They're fucked then, okay. Yeah, and this is the first game that they've put out um, since EA bought them, I believe. In the way that Jason... Oh, they're fucked then, never mind. (laughs) Yeah. How long before Codemasters is working on, like, a Need for Speed game or something? I don't know. Oh, all right, Anthony. I'm gonna go through the indie games. They're gonna they're, gonna they're gonna do the driving segments in the next Battlefield. Yeah. Nah. Um, I'm gonna go through the indie games. I know you're excited for the one. The first game I play is called Clousy. Am I? Clousy. Oh, right. Yes, I am. Never mind. Uh, Clousy is a first-person game. Yeah, that's the. Is that the one where you raise clouds? No, no, no. You have a cat. Maybe yeah, but do... it's like a cloud farming simulator. Maybe that's what happens eventually. I gave up after I told the cat to go 40 different places. In the yeah, tutorial. I'm pretty sure that's the one I looked up last week when you said it was coming out. Uh, it's like some weird cloud farming simulator. <laughs> just, just to really put that into perspective, you are raising clouds. Yeah. Hold up. Did I, did I mishear you or did you say you're raising clouds? You clouds, me, right? yeah. Clouds in the sky. Yeah. Most clouds float along in the sky, but these mm-hmm. adorable fluffy clouds need to be taken care of in cloud daycare. Explore the world, collect delicious fruits, and cook tasty meals in this cute and wholesome farming game. You sounded like a like a announcer on the prices, right? Yeah. <laughs> who just except didn't who couldn't you could work tell, up the you enthusiasm. Could t- except that 
Yeah, I was say, it sounded like it sounded like a announcer on the Price is Right who just got message that his wife is leaving him. Yeah, and it's all yeah. over the down. All right, the next game is Explosive Candy. <laughs> Sorry, Explosive Candy World. I apologize for. Is this just a um, Candy Crush clone? No. So think. Oh, that's good. Uh, so you got a little dude on the screen. And think Angry Birds, where you pull the left stick to make him bounce, like okay. like a slingshot kind of motion. <clears throat> and the objective is to jump him over obstacles to make it to the candy cane. I don't hate this concept. So, um, the visuals are weird. They're like this, I don't know, like brown, opaque kind of look. It's not colorful at all. Um, I think I made You're it through about, about candy. I mean, I think I made about five levels. I think I was about done. Uh, Doctor Oil is a bad video game. Don't play that game. Uh, it feels like a really bad platformer. Pyramid Quest was kind of interesting. Think of it like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a little puzzle game where you're trying to get past traps to get to the end of the level kind of thing, and each level's got different stuff. It's got, like, this... Are these, these like, Game Pass games that you're playing? Like, how are you even playing these? So, every week, uh, the ID at Xbox team sends me codes for all of the the week's indie games. Okay, gotcha. Got it. Cool. um, So, Pyramid Quest is, like, a... uh, The look of it is, like, claymation. So, I was really into, kind of, the the design of the game. Uh, The jumping feels a little stiff. The, um... The world seems a little chaotic at times, but I actually enjoyed this game. Uh, Moto Rotor MC, I think it was like an old TurboGrafx game or something, because uh, it feels like it's being emulated within the game itself. I don't know for sure, but it is a top-down, kind of like RC Pro-Am-style racing game. It's very hard. You can shoot missiles at each other. Uh, Epitasis, or Epitasis, I don't know how you say that. Is a first-person adventure game where um, anybody ever see the Arrival with not no not the not the one everybody loves but the one with Charlie Sheen. Uh. Uh. Oh yes, yes, I, I saw that one. Yeah, so that's it, the one that's really slow-paced, right? Yeah, the Alien movie. Yes, yes. Yeah, so at the beginning of this game, it's the same thing. You work at like one of those satellite stations. You get this message coming down through the satellites from the stars, and then you go investigate it first-person style. And that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Goddamn, what the hell was this game? Brainstorm Tower Bombard. Um, Hold on. I have to remember what this game was. That's never a good sign when you don't... Oh, this is the one where you move the dot around and, and reflect... Bullets. It's kind of like a Atari 2600 style visual thing. It was okay. Uh, I'm skipping over that one until I come back. Light Up the Room is a puzzle game where you play a light up cube and you can't, like you literally start in like a black void and as you move you uncover the ground and you have to jump to avoid obstacles but you can't see the path that you're going on. So it's it's kind of like a trial and error. You can see like the spikes, but you can't see where you need to jump to avoid them until you kind of hover over it and light up the area. So I, I hope it has a good fast respawn. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's okay. it's a quick, like, you die, boom, you're right back in it. Okay, good. You need that for that kind of a game. Yep. And the last game, Anthony, we talked about this last week, Tux and Fanny. <laughs> Tux and Fanny? Tux and Fanny. There's a picture There's a picture in the chat. Okay. Um. Oh. So right. this... This game looks like it was built in portrait mode on your phone. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's a point-and-click game where these two characters are trying to blow up a soccer ball. And th- that's it. Like, you just walk around <laughs> clicking on things. and then Wait, That's their singular objective for the entirety of the game. Yeah. There's a deflated soccer ball outside, and they talk to each other, and they don't speak English. They speak, they're like, like that's the conversations they have between each other. All right. And you go into the house, and oh, they're running this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you just click on, the, like, you have a score that you have to meet, and you just go around and click on the thing. Dude, this game is weird. This game is really. So what weird. you're saying is, I'd probably enjoy it. This feels like an Anthony game. <laughs> I ain't gonna is it, lie. Is it, is it funny? Does it have like good humor at least? I didn't laugh at all. I found it to be oh. just. Kinda... Oh, it sounds like it's definitely oh, no. on my alley. I'd have a good laugh at it. Just how oh, no. fucking weird it is. Yeah. No, I don't. Mm. I did boot up my Switch and and load up Majora's Mask, but I haven't played it yet. I heard they fixed a bunch more of those games in the latest update. So. Was Majora's Mask on Switch? Uh, yeah, in the, yeah, expansion. the expansion pack. Yeah, the N64 version. Oh, right. Oh, I never actually tried out any... I never bought the expansion pack, first of all. But how are the N64 games on the Switch? They were rough. Um, mm. They fixed them with each update. As they add a new game, they usually update the emulator. Mm-hmm. But at launch, it was bad. Like, uh, Ocarina of Time was like missing textures and... What? Uh, yeah, the button mapping on the controller is bad. Like, the N64 is a hard controller to map, but the way they did it is really bad. So, uh, it's not good. Um, Jay, do you, uh, did you see the screenshots of the Zelda comparison? Uh, the Ocarina The Water Temple, right? The Water Temple. Yeah. Uh, I have not. Do you have it? Okay, so I can explain to you why I look it up. It is the, um... Room where you fight Shadow Link in Ocarina of Time, which is a very standout room because of the tricks that they did. Yeah, the very, Um, very iconic fight, yeah. Oh, I'm going to disappoint you, son. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, there's a comparison photo out there. I've got it, if you want to see it. The thing that kind of surprises me about this is that N64 emulation was perfected like a decade ago. Why is Nintendo themselves having trouble with this? I put the screenshot comparison. The left is the expansion pack. <laughs> no, the That's... right is the expansion oh, pack. Oh, sorry. The right is the expansion pack. That's right. The, the, the right looks like it's on ice instead of water now. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. No oh, reflections. Man. The the fog. The, the stunning lack of fog makes the room very clearly have an end. Um, Which is something that the fog sort of hid. It looks uh... like an endless room. Yeah. It's apparently been fixed. You know, so it's good, but... Now that I'm looking at it, now I understand why Nintendo hates emulation so much. They just don't know how to do it. 
So they themselves feel inferior to the other people that are doing it. So that's why they're against it. It all makes sense now. I'm sorry <laughs> for the, making fun of Nintendo for all these but, years. Uh, you're just, uh, you know, it's feeling bad about it. I guess. The, 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 the funny part is, like, they've shown in the past they can do good emulators. I just don't understand why they feel the need to make a new emulator every time. Because it's like the NES emulator for the Wii was good. And then they built a new one for the Wii U, and it was bad. I don't Why? Know. Dude, the, the, when you talk about Nintendo, you just kind of have to throw your arms up and go, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Man, Ocarina of Time on N64 looked good, guys. <laughs> Reflections. That's some RTX reflections right there. Ray <laughs> tracing. Nice. Hey. I, I, you know, when, when people started first talking about ray tracing, I saw that on forums. They're like, dude, if you go back, there's real, there's RTX and like PlayStation 1 games. I'm like, that, that doesn't uh, just mean it reflects genius. That's not how that works. Uh, I, I love people and the funny things that they say sometimes. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about what's coming out this week. Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5. We've got Elix 2. That's coming out of nowhere. Oh, they made a sequel to that game? Yeah, and it's coming out the this week. The sequel's out... The, yeah, I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, it's out I on did, Tuesday. I didn't know the original game did well enough to warrant a sequel. Yeah, I, I knew sold, the game came out, but... Huh? I mean, it's one. I, you would, you questioned how any of the games from uh, that studio um, fucking makes it that far, but, like, Gothic, Gothic 2... Gothic, they got to fucking Gothic 4, which is Arcania... Which didn't sell well. And then they did Risen. And you're like, did Risen do well enough to make a sequel? Yes, they got two. And now Elex. And you're like, I, I suppose Elex sold okay, I guess. But they also sold it at like 50 bucks brand new. So that probably helped. This is the studio uh, that made the game with the taint in it, right? You know what I'm talking about, Ken? The taint? The taint. Yeah, it's like one of the, the dark forces. And they every time they have to mention it, they say... The taint is coming for us all. And it was very funny. I think it was a studio. Is this Bound yeah. by Blood? Is that what you're thinking of? No, I don't think it's Bound by Blood. Bound by Flame. The... No, you're talking you're talking Two Worlds, I believe. Oh, Two Worlds. Two Worlds no. is, is not oh, the same. Worlds. Oh, it's different not the same studio. Different studio. No, no, no. Okay. But that is a good guess because it is that same Euro jank cloth that it's been cut from. Yeah, Eurojank. Okay. Fair enough. Hey, man, more 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 props to them. Hopefully, the the niche fan base of this series uh, is going to enjoy the sequel. You too. would you would probably love the first game if it wasn't so fucking unfair. Yeah, it's broken difficulty wise. It's not like, really fun. You, yeah, like combat is so unfair to the player. Um, things just kill you, and there's no real way around it. But like the world concept was interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, like. Just fuck. The enemies do way too much damage. And I like, wanted ah. to like the first one, but it d- it did not want me to like it. So yeah. yeah. Uh, Far Changing Tides, which is a sequel to Far Lone Shores. If you've not played either one of those, go fucking play them. They're so good. What are these games, Ken? So they're like little adventure games. Um, basically, the first one is you on this big boat and you're going left to right, and throughout the journey, you've got to pick up things, repair the ship, uh, figure out how to give. It's a really chill game. 
That sounds jolly. What was the what was the name of the first game? Far Lone Sales, and then the second one's Far Changing yeah. Tides, and Far Changing Tides is gonna launch into Game Pass. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Far Lone Sales uh, looks pretty cool. Vehic- a vehicle adventure game. Yeah, I love the Very first nice. one. I beat it in like two sittings. It's not a long game, um, but I really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, the art style too. I'll check it out. Yeah, cool game. Little Orpheus. I don't know what that is. Uh, Ghost Runner Project Hell, DLC for Ghost Runner. DLC. Okay. Uh, a musical story, Legend of Ixtona, which is uh, Anthony's favorite Chemco RPGs, <laughs> and Ryan's Rescue Squad. So another Ryan game coming out. Uh, PlayStation 5, pretty much the same stuff. We also have Babylon's Fall. Hey, there's another game nobody remembered was coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. The more the more I see of that game, the less I want to play it. Yeah. That bums me out, because it's a Platinum joint. I, I love Platinum. I love Platinum, too, sometimes. <laughs> and then there's the Korra and the other... Yeah, we, we went through it last week, um, and, like, they have more... They have way worse misses and a lot more misses than they do hits. You start breaking it down. Uh, and then yeah, fight... go ahead. but their hits are so good, though. Their so, hits are know. very... When they hit, yeah, they hit you gotta, good. You gotta go for it, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gunborg Dark Matters and then Gran Turismo 7. Ooh, baby, that's the big one, huh? Yep, that's out on Friday. Uh, Xbox One, PS4, a lot of the same stuff. We also got Conan Chop Chop. Uh, Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous. My big game for the week, Shadow Warrior 3 is out, baby. Oh, that's finally coming out. Nice. Yeah, that's my jam for the week. Uh, 35mm, not based on the Nick Cage movie, I'm sure. Um, What Lies in the Multiverse? Um... PlayStation, anything different? Is that a a question, or is that a game? That's a game! (laughs) And that's it. That's all the same stuff from PS4, Xbox One. There's so many fucking systems, I can't keep track of them. But now we get to the fun one, the Nintendo Switch. Anthony, I've been disappointed that we have not had some, like, straight-up hentai games lately. Maybe we'll change that this week. (laughs) Oh, please don't do this week. It's just, like, I just don't. Alright, uh, a lot of the same stuff we've also mentioned. Uh, we've got Primordia, uh, Zombie Rollers of Pinball Heroes, Ambition Record, Catch the Stars, Counter Delta The Bullet Rain. Boy, that sounds like the sequel to... Um... Oh, fuck. What's that game? The Chinese Bullet. third-person shooter. Uh... Anthony, help me here. Maybe. I don't know, because the first thing that popped in my head was Tetsuo the Bullet Man. Gene Rain. Gene Rain. Oh, God. That's the one I was trying to think of. I could go my whole life without thinking about that game again, even though that, speaking of games that turned it around. Uh, Dexter, <laughs> I'm writing a new review for it. Dexter Stardust Adventures in Outer Space. Minseki Genius. Old Coin Pusher Friends. Our Battle Has Just Begun, Episode 2. Oh, sweet. We got some we got some uh Pretty Girls Breakers. I'm going to butcher the fuck out of this name. Uh Chio Rinoko Toha Dark Reflections. And the templates made. You know, and failures were made too. Holy shit, that's a that's a hard <laughs> word to say. Did you know that Ken is white? 
I thought I gave it away already. Uh, the Uncertain, Last Quiet Day, Ink Cipher, Operation Zeta, Quest for Infamy, What Lies in the Multiverse, which we've already talked about. And yes, you're correct, Jay. Triangle Strategy is out on Friday. Yeah. I, I will say that um, I actually wasn't thinking about reviewing that game until I played their newest demo, which carries over to the actual game. And it's like the first three chapters. And I'm on board with what I played there. It's got the right amount of like strategy when it comes to like the combat. Like you have to be kind of methodical about your placements and how you want to handle things. But what interests me more is the whole, uh, I guess, uh, political and socioeconomical intrigue that's going on. They really take a lot of time to do the world building. And for these kind of uh, games where you have to choose sides and choose factions and have to be really deliberate on the choices that you make, it, it really means a lot. And the biggest system that I think is interesting is the whole... Um, like this morality, not not morality, but it's like a like a coin system where you and your closest advisors all have like a coin to them, right? Mm-hmm. And whenever a big decision is to be made, even though you are lord of the house, it's kind of like a democracy. Everyone that wants to do one thing or the other, they put their coin onto a scale, and whichever co- scale that hoard, uh, that holds more coins at the end of it. Is, is going to be the path that you take, regardless of whether you want it or not. And I think that's fascinating because, generally speaking, when you have to make a choice and you want to go with this choice, you just make it. That's kind of it. You have the agency. Nobody else really you know, has any say in the matter. But here, you actually have the opportunity to not only not get what you want, but also have the opportunity to change the minds of the people that think otherwise by talking to them before they make their decisions. So it has this really interesting dynamic where you have these trusted advisors that are trying to pull you towards different directions. And you yourself, even though you have a decision in mind, you have to kind of pull them to your side in order to kind of go down that route. And it won't always go that, uh, go that easily as well. So you have to really think about the choices and the things that you say and what interests them particularly to kind of uh, uh, you know. Uh, convince them to uh, go along with what you have in plan. And that's not a thing that I've seen too much in a lot of RPG games. I thought that was fascinating specifically. Uh, even though the, the combat mechanic is, is solid, that's the aspect that uh, interests me the most. So if any of that, what I just said, uh, like kind of piques your interest, check out that demo. It's just like three chapters. You'll get like five, six hours of content out of it just by that. And uh, have a good time. So yeah, definitely. Gonna uh, try to review that game if I can. Hmm. Um, news. Ready yeah. for the news? All right. Sorry, I'm already thinking about food, so I got my food up looking at it. Uh, acquisition news first this week. Um, Tencent acquired One C Entertainment. Uh, what's One C do? One C is a Russian publisher that does a lot of like weird stuff. Um, I'll see if I can find anything that's big. I remember buying a package from them. In the early, early days of like Steam sales, and like it had everything that they had done. Yeah, um, I just did a search real quick, and I got Reverie Knights was the last game I think they put out. King, King's Bounty, Death to Spies, Ancestors Legacy, Il Il Two Sturmovic. Yeah, I remember um, Il Two Sturmovic. Hmm. The the company's also largest distributor in Russia, publishing titles of most accomplished international publishers such as Activision Blizzard, Bethesda, Take Two, blah blah blah. King's Bounty um, is also another game they did. Yeah, you said that one. Yeah. Uh, um, Nintendo made an acquisition this week too. 
They did. They acquired SRD, which most people were like, they didn't already own them. <laughs> you know, a lot of people also think that they own Game Freak, which they don't. Yeah, no, they don't. SRD has worked with Nintendo since the NES days, and in fact, their office is located inside Nintendo headquarters, so this isn't really a yeah. shocker. Yeah, it's uh, one of those like, oh, it didn't already happen 10 years ago kind of news. But at the same time, uh, following the news of what Sony and uh, you know Xbox have done recently, uh, it, it felt like they needed to announce something. <laughs> It's weird. So they didn't make it. Exactly. They didn't make a big deal about it, though. They just did it. That's true. Because it isn't a big deal, I suppose. They can't really present it as such. But uh, you know, Nintendo's playing their own own thing. Uh, you know. Yeah, Nintendo is Nintendo, and we just kind of let them do their thing and enjoy their games. It's fine. Yep. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy did not meet Square's expectations. Not shocking, but also at the same no. time, did you really expect it to? How much did it sell? I think it was. Couple million, maybe. It's it's fucking square. I remember the same exact story when Tomb Raider oh, sold three million copies, didn't meet sales sales expectations. I don't think any game they publish from a Western developer ever meets its sales expectations. Oh, hey, maybe if you didn't fucking do the terrible job with the Avengers, we would be having a different conversation. But like, that's your fucking fault. So like, man, if Avengers don't... would have been a straight up single player game like Guardians of the Galaxy is, Square would have sold a fuck ton of both of those games. Yeah. Um, but I, I've heard nothing but good things about Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's on my it's on my backlog, pretty high on my backlog list actually, uh, to check out. So you know, um, it's a fantastic game. It made my top ten. Exactly, exactly. It made a lot of people's top ten, even even with some people's game of the years. You know, and um, coming around from what Avengers said, obviously it's like a different team and everything. Uh, I just hope that they're they will be able to make more games that they want to make based on what I can tell. They have a lot of passionate fans on their development team as far as like the, the Marvel fans and stuff like that goes. And they really paid due respects to the, uh, the source material, like not the, not the movies specifically, but like the, the, the comic books and stuff like that. And I would love to see more of that uh, authenticity uh, going forward. So we'll see. Absolutely. Uh, A couple of Bethesda notes. Uh, Bethesda's launcher is going away in April. Uh, Bethesda and Microsoft are going to allow you to transfer your ownership of those games over to Steam, which speaks volumes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, that it does. I, I, I had forgotten that Bethesda had their own launcher. Yeah, that's where I own all the Quake games, which I'm assuming now I will own on Steam. Because, sure, mm-hmm. why not? Uh, according to Jeffrey Grubgrub, you know, my favorite insider, uh, Microsoft is in talks with Bethesda, or I'm sorry, Obsidian, about a Fallout New Vegas 2. Ooh, that's my favorite Fallout game. It's very early talks, so yeah. wouldn't expect it till at least 2025. It's, I mean, Outer Worlds 2 is coming out. You know? Yeah, they also have Grounded, which they're still making, and Avowed, so don't forget about that one. Oh, yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, and, uh, Obsidian is I... like, since they got that Microsoft money, they are just pumping games out, so... Uh... So this I'm gonna, this story is interesting because it's going to tie into something later, but Sony announced that Shadow Warrior 3 is going to be on PlayStation Now on day one, so they're kind of getting into that Game Pass third-party day one stuff. Is this um, the first one that's going to be like a, like a new release uh, third-party game that's going to be on PlayStation Now on day one? Yeah. Is... I don't think it's the first, but I think it's the biggest. Biggest? I think, okay. Yeah, I think they've had stuff 
launch into there, but it, like nothing where it's a name that's. Yeah, I, I thought it was just like, games yeah. with gold that it had. I didn't think PlayStation Now actually debuted any. Games. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe it's PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's so yeah. weird because we're going to talk a little bit later about Spartacus, which. But anyway, we'll get there. Uh, your free game, speaking of PlayStation Plus, uh, PlayStation Plus for March is Ghost Runner. Ghosts of Tsushima Legends is the bonus game. Team Sonic Racing and Ark Survival Edition are your PlayStation Plus games. Uh, I never played Ghost Runner. I heard good things. I, I might check it out then. Yeah, if, you, if you're into that kind of um, sporadic, like it's, it's basically one-hit kills. So if you mm-hmm. die, you just respawn. But it plays really well, so it makes up for it. Uh, Games with Gold is The Flame and the Flood, which is really good. Uh, Street Power Soccer, well, I have no fucking clue what that is. Um, Sacred 2, Fallen Angel. And SpongeBob's Truth or Square. So another banger of lineup for... Hey, Sacred 2 is a pretty fun RPG built like Diablo, and I've heard Truth or Square is fine. Hey, Sacred 2 is fine, Flame in the Flood is fine, but still, do any of those games scream at you like, holy shit, what a great month, you know? Yeah, but Game Pass is Game Pass is a thing, and Games for Gold is never going to compete with that. I think Games with Gold needs to go away. It, it, it does. I think it has served its purpose, needs to be sucker, uh, need, all, the, all the benefits of your game, game, uh, game Pass should, you know, be along with uh, Gold. Uh, but then again... That would mean you have to pay a lot more just to play online on Xbox, huh? I think they need to get rid of the wall to play online and just make yeah. Game Pass Ultimate the only subscription they have. Yeah. Um. Well, I think Ultimate is still too expensive. I still like the whole offerings only on PC. I don't have an Xbox. I'm never going to need the Okay, whole uh, you're right. Xbox. You're right. Yeah. I think they should keep the console and PC tier separate, yes. but then yeah. also have the one that has both. I agree with that. Yes, yes, uh, that that would be good. I think at this point, like, could we agree that the the whole online no. and internet aspect of uh, gaming has become just as crucial as everything else in, when it comes to you know like gaming, like internet connectivity and multiplayer has become so ingrained uh, into the development of these games that having a paywall for multiplayer content nowadays in twenty twenty two seems kind of tone deaf. Yeah, no, I'm I'm on board yeah. with you there because I think PC hasn't ever paid for it, um, except for when Microsoft tried to put. And, <laughs> and I think I think more importantly, it's just like some of the most popular games right now, even though I don't think any of us play them, are all free to play. And I realize that they've made the changes uh, to allow free to play stuff be free fully, but like. J- <laughs> Like obviously, just screams like, well, it, multiplayer could be free for everything else. Yeah, it's not like you have are, more are people bringing in bigger dollars. So, f- yeah, you don't have more people playing whatever first-person shooter multiplayer game is on Xbox this week than you do Fortnite. So, you know, I so I if just... you remove that final boundary, maybe that multiplayer lives a bit longer. Like that's that's just it. Like now it's just literally like this weird elitism boundary that's like ah, but you, we need the money to have you play online. Like, do you though? Because there's a bunch of people that play Fortnite that don't pay anything. I think yeah. I think I could live without. Like, if PlayStation Plus didn't give me more than playing online, I wouldn't have it. 
Really, like, I, I I enjoy PS Plus with uh, their lineup of games. So. Well, that's what I mean. Like, if they didn't have that stuff, if it was just pay to play online, I wouldn't have it because I don't ever oh, play yes. online on my PlayStation. So. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Overwatch, I wouldn't play my Xbox online. I'm gonna be real honest with you. <laughs> well, that's just us, Ken. Like we're like us us three. I don't think we're like the typical like biggest like multiplayer fans these days. I didn't even play uh, multiplayer anything. So yeah, no. But I mean, yeah. look at like Anthony said. Look at the games that are popular: Warzone, free; Fortnite, free; League of Legends, free. You know, like the biggest games that you that people play are free. Apex Legends, free. Like what? What is the paywall for? I mean, I know Call of Duty's still online, like the regular multiplayer, but couldn't they just release that as a free to play? I don't get it. I, I I still don't understand why we have to pay to play online. It seems stupid. It it really does. I think like they honestly, I honestly don't know how they even got away with it to begin with. Like, how were we okay with the whole having to pay to play online when that switchover came? Like, I didn't pay online to play fucking Sega. Uh, Sega Dreamcast when I was playing Fantasy Star Online. I or think I was playing online to play fucking Monster Hunter on PlayStation 2. And I, then that's just started coming in. I think though that you're I can tell you exactly boundary, why. right? I can tell you and exactly think, why it's because Xbox Live was so much better feature rich yeah, back when it launched. Say, yeah. Like you we look at that now and yeah, but like think of all the shit you had to buy to get a PlayStation 2 online. It was kind of like, ridiculous. It and like it was such a pain in the ass. And yeah, like if you wanted a wireless connection on 360, it sucked. But like for the most part, it was just kind of you plug it in, and it works. And the quality and was good. Kind like kind of yeah, crazy the voice chat. Like the connections. Like Xbox Live was the gold standard. But let's be fair, everything is up to par with that now. Yeah. So, Even the fucking Switch, which... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no, let's not go the Switch route, because you do have to pay to play online with that, and you gotta use your fucking phone. Oh, gosh. Switch. Yeah, so, no, Switch's online is not worth it, and truthfully, if it wasn't for the classic games, again, I would not be paying for that. No fucking way. Sure, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, you, the quality on the the worst console <laughs> that has the... Like, you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, it's, none of this. It's all to the level of the original Xbox. These online. companies know that the online you can't just charge to play online. That's why they give you games with it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but at the same time, their services, uh, what the the things that they're offering that does not include the whole online aspect of it has become compelling enough to kind of stand on their own. No, if for example, PS Plus kind of absorbed PS Now into its services like it basically always should have, uh, and then kind of, you know, gave you those access to those kind of PS3 libraries that people have been wanting, <laughs> just on their PS5s and stuff like that, I think people would have no problem paying for, uh, you know, you would have so many more PS subscribers just signing up for that, not just for the online component. And Game Pass, I mean, speaks for itself, and nothing more needs to be said about that service at this point, other than make it better on PC, but, you know, that's me. Uh, but the the amount of content that they provide and the value that they provide is immense. So if, you know, if Game for Gold goes away and says, like, hey, uh, you know, we, we decided to make the online free, but, you know, we're adding more value to the... Uh, 
to the Game Pass side of it, push that even further, then I think people are will be more willing to now since now they're no longer paying for one service, now they'll be more willing to pay for a different service that gives them even more benefits compared to what was a, a bare necessity at the time, right? So you're gonna get a bunch of more uh, you know, Game Pass subscribers, and that's exactly what Microsoft wants anyway. They they want to dominate the gaming space with the Game Pass. So I think it would just be a smart move at this point in time to do away with uh, PS Plus, uh, Game Pass, I mean, not P- Game Pass, uh, Games for Gold in their current state, merge a lot of their services together, and then just kind of go with that. I think that would be good for everyone involved. Well, I'm glad you said that, because that's going to tie right into the next story that I have. So we've been talking a lot about Project Spartacus over the last couple of weeks, which was Sony's answer to Game Pass. Well, we got, we got some details again from Jeffrey Grub Grub. All right. Um, this could be announced as early as tomorrow. Oh. So, take that with a grain of salt. Sony's supposedly going to talk about this in March, um, with a rumor of February 28th being the day they, there's a milestone, but we have, uh, Sony's Spartacus layout is looking like it's going to be three tiers, uh, and they're going to keep the PlayStation Plus name. Um, this could change, so... Keep that in mind. But right now we have PS Plus Essential, PS Plus Extra, and PS Plus Premium. So PS Plus Essential is what you normally got. Online play plus the monthly games, $10 a month. PlayStation Plus Extra comes with the monthly games, the online play, as well as a game catalog of games you can download. Uh, the, the thought is that it's probably the PlayStation Now games that you can download for the PS4. That is $13 a month. PlayStation Plus Premium contains all of what I've said so far, plus you get the streaming games, which is PlayStation Now. You get Game Trials, which allows you to play games early, and like a demo, basically, so like a 10-hour trial of Horizon or something. And then Classic Games, which could include PS1, PS2, and PS3 games. Oh, Nelly, really? And that is $16 a month. How much is a Game Plus Ultimate a month, Ken? Game Pass Ultimate is fourteen ninety nine a month. Ooh, just a little bit above, huh? And it mm-hmm. doesn't include day one releases. That's true. Yeah, so, but but depending on the classic stuff, yeah, yeah that's going to be the kicker for me. Like if they've got some true, like PS one and PS two classics on there, I'd pay sixteen bucks a month for that. Yeah, you know what? I think I would too. If they could have like those classic PS2 like JRPGs that I kind of want to try again at some point on my like modern systems and stuff like that, that would be, ooh, yeah, that would be that would be compelling enough for me to put in for all the way for the premium. Xenosaga episodes one through three, mm-hmm. and then we can finally make Drew and <laughs> play it. It's gonna be amazing. Like they're gonna pay the sixteen dollars a month, right? You know, they they always told me, um, "Oh, we're never gonna finish Xenogears. Gears. We're it's not gonna happen. We're stuck. It's not gonna. We're not gonna go back to it." <laughs> and then, if I if I care enough, I'll I'll make them do it. It's just they think that it's their own decision, but it's not really. This That's true. Not really. That's true. No, I'm excited. I hope this happens because here here's exactly why this is good. You know, the the plastic console warriors are out there saying Game Pass is bad for the industry. This is Sony's answer to Game Pass. And if I can get all this crap for like 16 bucks a month and it's got a good classic library, dude, that's awesome. 
Like, let yeah. me play all this old crap. I I pay 20 bucks a year for the Switch Online just so I have access to Super Nintendo and Nintendo games. And, you know, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. It's It's one of those things, like, they did stop. If you think about if you look at the history, right? They were trying to push a lot of these classic games as releases on PS4, mm-hmm. like the PS2 games and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, they stopped. Even though those things were actually doing fairly well, according to like analytics and stuff like that. Well, I mean, those I thought them all. Master remasters are fucking fantastic. And you're like, why aren't you doing this with Ratchet and Clank? And they never did. Yeah, I bought all of those PS2 on PS4 games. Yeah, and they ran pretty well too. So. The reason why they're not doing that now, and if they are trying to roll out a service that includes like a bunch of these games that get added in every month, uh, and then you know make it a part of some kind of a subscription service, then that would be the smart move. Dude, if imagine when you boot up Gex on PlayStation. Oh, uh, I was gonna say Primal. Well, PS5. hold on, hold on. Let me finish my thought. Imagine when you boot it up and it does the, you know, the sound, man. Ah, uh, the boot screen. Yeah. Ah, uh, the PS2 boot up sound is so iconic, dude. I'm gonna tell you right now that I, that's the only reason that I put BIOS in my retro art. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just so I can hear that sound whenever I boot up a PS1 game. Um, the uh, that's my PS4 background is the PS2 one. Oh yeah, so those were the both same sounds. Yeah, the sounds are like like you can constantly hear the, the like ambience of the background. Yeah, and the towers and all that stuff. Oh yeah. man, I, I want. I my... still remember the the olden days when I was a youngster putting in a PS PS2 game and knowing that the game is a little bit scratched and just waiting with bated breath, waiting for the red screen. Goes... Yeah, exactly. Just for the for the red screen seal, or if the little Sony logo is going to pop up, looking like. Boom. And then actually to load up the game. I'm like, oh, come on, come on. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, good times, man. I want, I want, uh, like, the PlayStation 1. You say what you want about the PS1 Mini, but it did have the memory card screen. So you could see all the, like, little animated icons for the memory card. Oh, man. Yeah, Yoda with I... boxing gloves was the icon for Star Wars Masters of the Terrace. Kasi, 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 whatever you want to call it. They, was there were some good icons for those games. I had um, <sighs> one of those big third-party memory cards that eventually <laughs> died, but um, I had—I remember having like 120 blocks of like each one of them, a completed JRPG that's like 70, 60 hours long. And looking at like one page of that block is like 900 hours of content that I went through. <laughs> yep, it's scary to like if that thing ever failed, right? And it did fail, and then I had to do my playthrough of Xenogears again from the yeah. last spot. But, you know. Dude, I had the three and a half inch floppy drive memory card thing for the PlayStation One, so I had like well, infinite memory cards. Wait, floppy memory card? What are you yeah, about? you plug this thing into the PlayStation port, and you could put three and a half inch floppies in it and save your games on there. Is yeah. this real? Yeah, what's called the Dex, the Dex drive? Yeah. I think is what it was called. Dude, I'm gonna look this up right now. That's amazing. Yeah, I uh, I had one on the PS2 that was 64 megabytes, which is crazy to think that that was the limited space for saves. Um, and I had to put in a disc to start it up. Yep, I remember the disc. Piece one. of shit. Yep. It didn't work because it actually glitched out the uh, Sly Cooper game, so I couldn't finish it. He wouldn't grab onto um, ropes properly. It would only work sometimes. Crazy. 
Yep, I loved all that memory card shit back in the PlayStation One days. It was great. The Dex Drive I'm I'm looking at right now, Ken, is the one that allows you to transfer over data from PC to PS One, but I don't see a floppy drive one. Is it maybe called it was, maybe it's called something else? Maybe it was called something else. Um, PlayStation One memory drive. Oh fuck! What was this thing called? You could save games. Daytel, on the... Daytel memory drive. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Because it had the the cord went to like a memory card style. Oh my god, that's crazy! Hold on, I got it. I'm gonna put it in the chat here. I got it before you. Oh, but I got a picture. Yeah, well, <laughs> mine's got a picture on the tweet. Yeah, look at that thing, oh son. God. That is amazing. Yeah, that's what I have. <laughs> I, you know, you truly learn something new every day. I thought I was a big fan of the PS One generation, but oh my god, I never even knew this thing existed. Oh yeah, I I had all of the, I had the fan on my PS One, I had the memory cards, I had the Game Shark that went into the I/O port that they removed in later models of the PlayStation One. Oh man, I love that system. That system was my like teenage years, so it kind of resonates with me the most. Yeah, but man. That system so was great. Many. Yeah, we really need to bring that stuff back. I I really loved having perfect emulation for PS One and PS Three, and and then I you know I still have my Vita, which is like one of the best ways you can play PS One games still. But uh, just being able to you know play on the big screen and stuff like that would be nice. Yeah, I've got RetroArch set up, and I've got a ton of PS One games that I play on it regularly, and I've got a like long HDMI cord with a switcher. It lets me switch it to my TV, and I've got a wireless Xbox controller, and that's the way I play. I have a a modded original model of uh, PS3 and a terabyte hard drive inside of it, nice. and inside that terabyte is just raw or uh, ISOs of PS1 and PS2 games. Oh, the police coming for you! Wee wee wee! Yeah, you can't buy half of this shit, anyways. I know. I'm just kidding. All right few more news stories. Here's one, Jay, be excited about. Soul Hackers 2 was announced. Hell, this this news came out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, they like, had a countdown that was like... We what? got, we got news did. that came it out did. of nowhere. More of it, too, later on. It, it's one of those things, like, I don't, if you ask me, which of the Shin Megami Tensei games are they going to make a sequel of? Soul Hacker would have probably been, like, the last one that I would have mentioned. Not, not because the game is bad. Soul Hacker is on, like, the 3DS that I played. was actually very good. I enjoyed it, but it it felt like such a reach for this game to get a sequel. And the way that it looks, the way it looks like fucking Persona Five, like very stylized and everything. And um, yeah, I'm just very thoroughly excited and impressed. It's also coming out before the end of this year, only in like six months or something like that. Uh, yes, Shin Megami Tensei fans are eating good with uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five, and now this coming. It's, it's uh, such a like weird. It's such a weird release, though, because they announced it for, hold on, PlayStation, makes sense, PC, okay, and fucking Xbox? Yes, isn't that great, Ken? Finally. I mean, it's great, but why not Switch? Uh, Switch version might have to be a cloud version, by the way this game looks. I I mean, I guess. I mean, it's just, but it's so weird, like, Atlas hasn't put out, you know what the last Atlas game that came out on the Xbox was? Fucking Persona 4 fighting game. Oh, Persona 4 Ultimax. <laughs> yeah, that was the last one that came out Ooh. on Xbox. I I don't understand. Um, 
I felt like whenever a Persona like five came out, I was like, oh, it's gonna be on basically everything. But then it actually ended up just being on like PlayStation for yeah. the longest time, and that was strange to me. But it still uh, is. It's not like they have a contract with Sony or anything, you know. I I don't understand uh, that. Like Persona Five is not on anything else. Uh, is it? Yeah, Persona Five Strikers is on basically everything. Yeah. But well, Persona no, it's 5. still not on Xbox. Persona Five Strikers not on Xbox. No, I told the last game Atlas put Damn. out for the Xbox was Ultimax. Well, Persona Five Strikers is a Koi Tecmo joint, isn't it? Yeah, but it's still published by Atlas. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Atlas just. Doesn't put games out on Xbox. So when they announced Soul hey. Hackers 2 for the Xbox, I was like, say what? Maybe this is the time. Man. Maybe maybe the, the Atlas backlog is going to start getting released on Xbox. That yeah. would be nice because more people need to play some of those games. Yeah, that, that'd be... I'm honestly, I know that Atlas has mostly been more like Eastern focused compared to some of the other RPG companies and stuff like that, which makes sense. You know, they stick with the Sony and blah, blah, blah. But... Um... You know, given that this is becoming, this is getting the worldwide simultaneous release on multiple different languages, it makes sense that it's on you know multiple platforms as well. So I'm glad this is uh this is coming to Xbox, and I hope this is the start yes. of many other games coming to multi-platform. Uh, Call of Duty 2023, according to rumors, has been delayed a year. We will not get a new Call of Duty in 2023. Good. This will be the first time since 2012, I think. Maybe it's back further than that. But it's been a long time since we haven't had a Call of Duty yearly iteration. Yeah, absence makes the heart want, right? So I think this uh, this gap year, as it were, will be good for Call of Duty in general. Um, not to mention, they still have a presence with Warzone anyway, right? Yes. So ultimately, it comes down to it. No one's going to forget about Call of Duty because it didn't come out in one year. When it comes out one year after the fact, people are going to be like, well, I haven't played a new Call of Duty campaign in a long time. They're going to be more involved, more interested in the hype and all that stuff. And it's going to do even better as you know, as long as the game itself looks good. Not to mention, Treyarch will be the first developer to get a two-year development time, which should make the game better. Yes, hopefully. All right, uh, a couple more stories. Uh, Capcom had a countdown as well. Uh, two Out of that, two announcements came. The first one was the Capcom Fighting Collection, which has ten games in it with rollback netcode. Of those ten games, five of them are Darkstalkers. Bring the shit on. You know, I feel like we were just talking about Darkstalkers not too long ago before this announcement came. So I feel like we're responsible for bringing this to everybody, so you're welcome, everybody. (laughs) That's right. Darkstalkers is such an underappreciated fighting game series. I I really didn't feel like we needed all five of them on there, but you know what? I'll take it. For... To just have them in your library as a one collective collection is nice, though. You know, just have the history of the series right there on your fingertips. The rest of the collection is weird, though. It's what Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, like the HD edition, uh, Gem Fighters, which I believe was Pocket Fighter on the PlayStation. Um, God, what else is on there? Uh, the weird one is Super Puzzle Fighter. That's a weird one. Uh, yeah. I forget what the other two games are. There's this one that's like the, oh the, the red beast, beast, red beast the red oh what's red earth I think so I think so yeah that's the lion man right yeah the lion and then the other one's the cyber strikers which has uh, the the kid from Marvel Capcom what is his name with the white bandana yeah 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 
It's like everyone knows that character from Marvel vs. Capcom 2, <laughs> but not from his actual game. No, nobody knows what Cyberstrike, or is it called Cyberstrike, or something like that. Like, that's such a weird thing. Hold on, I gotta look up the... I actually look... used that character in MVC 2. Uh, his name is Jin Saotome, and he's the main character of Cyberbot Full Metal Madness. Cyberbot, that's what it's called, not yes. Cyberstrikers. Okay, I was trying to look up the list of games that were on here, but... Nobody actually lists the fucking games. It's very helpful. Uh, and then Capcom also announced Street Fighter Six. And uh, it's like I think the things that I sell most of my timeline was <laughs> Ryu's bulge and toast. Yeah, his wi- wide Ryu is what they're calling yes. it. Did you see the one with the Metal Gear uh, Rising uh, meme where uh, Raiden is punching? Ryu's wide chest, <laughs> and then the fucking theme song is playing on the background. Uh, I don't know why that meme exists and why it came back like five years after the game's release, but it's everywhere and I love it. I don't understand this announcement though. They announce it, they say more news coming summer, and they didn't announce a platform. After Street Fighter V's debacle of being only on PlayStation and PC, why would you not? It feels like they're just trolling us at this point. Do you think they're holding off on announcing that because it's bad news? Maybe yeah, I don't. Another, another partnership with Sony that's going to be fucking botched to hell. Ugh, I hope not. No, Street Fighter is universal and it should be on everything. It's like what I keep saying about Mortal Kombat. Like, whoever yeah. buys them, that game needs to stay multiplied. Like, 100%. You don't lock down iconic franchises from you know, plastic boxes. It's so stupid. Yeah, especially fighting games where the player base is something that is necessary for the game to stay alive. Kind of segment segmenting that player base to different platforms for whatever reason that might be. Especially, for example, if like first person shooters, I can kind of understand to some degree because people playing on PC generally has advantages over play, playing on console. But when it comes to fighting games where everyone's using the goddamn same arcade controllers or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, they no. should be able to play against each other at any time. Yeah, and, and against anybody anywhere. Like, just make it exactly. cross-play. Like, Mortal Kombat built that into 11 after some time, and it, it kept that game alive for years. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mortal Kombat's still an evil, right, and stuff like that, so this, yeah. it's the, the, there's still competition there, despite it being uh, around for so long. Um, I forget, Ken, did they announce Injustice 3 officially? No, NetherRealm hasn't I announced guess. a new game at all. They've been super quiet and... The, the the scuttlebutt around it is that somebody's talking about buying them, so they just don't want to announce it, and they're supposedly working on MK12, because if they get bought, they don't have the Injustice license anymore. So so everyone's expecting Injustice too, but they might not have the license, so they have to probably make MK. Yeah, I've heard they're working internally on MK12 because they don't know where they're going to land. So. Oh. I, I was kind of looking forward to a new Injustice at this point, so that's kind of a bummer. But Yeah, me too. Hey, I don't give know. Marvel! Uh, nothing would make me happier than them doing a Marvel game. That rumor floated for a while, but I don't think I know, it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's happening either, but it would be nice because, like, let's be honest, the last Marvel fighting game kind of sucked ass. Mm, yeah. Alright, last news story broke this morning. What the fuck, Pokemon? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, what? Speaking of Evo... Smash will not be at Evo. Well, I mean, it doesn't shock me, truthfully. Nintendo is... Nintendo's like, no, yeah. yeah. Nah. Alright, yeah, Pokemon, what the fuck? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet were announced for 2022, which will make three Pokemon games in a 12-month span. That's pretty soon. I, I wasn't ex- anticipating another Pokemon game in the same year. 
Is no. that kind of unprecedented for like a mainline? I guess Arceus is a spinoff and all, but it felt like a mainline entry to me. Yeah, a lot of people were... I think, Anthony, you might have nailed it on the head that they didn't know how people would react I, to Arceus' yeah. kind I'm, of design. I'm pretty sure that, like... Because, you know, the complaints about Arceus, Arceus... I, don't, I honestly don't know. I always pronounce it Arceus, but whatever. Um, a lot of the complaints have been that, like, ah, the world's kind of empty. That's kind of the only complaint I've heard, which is a fair complaint, but something that can be fixed. Outside of that, the reception has been positive, but it's such a shift from what Pokemon was that I have a feeling that it was put out as a spinoff to kind of test the waters. Um, it allowed them to be like, yeah, you're not going to get all the Pokemon in this, which has been arguably the the thing that has held those games back. Um, and, and, and will continue to do so unless they have finally... <laughs> dropped it uh was the idea that you could keep bringing your pokemon forward um like pokemon bank is like going away because the 3ds isn't gonna be there so like it's interesting to see that this is kind of all coming together but like if this is the type of adventures they're going to be doing from now on they can get away from having to program every pokemon and that's kind of crazy um but yeah, I have a feeling that that's part of partially it because they set the expectations that not all the Pokemon are going to be there. They changed the gameplay drastically, and now we're getting a mainline game that is going to play like that game that they put out. Yeah, I have a feeling that this was to test the water, and if they had a negative response to it, I bet we wouldn't have seen this. But like, it's so soon, though, Anthony. Like, yeah, but like. <sighs> If you look at the Pokemon timeline, a lot of the Pokemon games are that soon. Like, mm, there's really? really no, yeah, like, um, there's really no time downtime there. Um, and and the, the the biggest thing, um, there's a really good breakdown of why the Pokemon games kind of fell apart in their old traditional style. Think about it. Every time new Pokemon are announced, there's new merchandise to be made. So they constantly have to be in the, we are making new Pokemon to make more merchandise, to make new cards, to, like, that is the main money-making machine of Pokemon, not the games. Uh, But the games need to be the thing that introduce those Pokemon. So, yeah, they're always working on something there. Um, And they didn't work on Diamond and Pearl remakes. That was a third-party company, and it was very well done, but it was a third-party company. they worked on Arceus, but like once Arceus is done and you have the mechanics kind of nailed, That's it's true. now just making a new world. And we they've been working in 3D for a while now. So I don't think that they're out of question. And like, you know what? People are going to complain, but they're probably going to reuse assets. Um, well, and yeah. <laughs> right? Like they're going to reuse the, the 3D models they made um, because as soon as they left 2D those 3D models have to stay uniform because they always have to look the same. All the Pokemon have to, like, if you have a Pikachu, that Pikachu has to look the same as every other Pikachu because it needs to look like Pikachu. Um, And that is not the case when we worked with sprites. Like, sprites, you could have a little bit of artistic flair added to them, right? Whoever drew the sprite could put themselves in that. But the 3D models have to stay consistent. So 
once you have a 3D model of a Pokemon, why wouldn't you reuse it? Um, it's a bit much if they're, like, reusing, like, really old stuff, but, like, at this point, most of the models have been made for the Switch. So, I I don't see a lot of work having to go in them, and this was probably done before Arceus was even out, and they probably got to have a little bit more time because they were going to release Diamond and Pearl, so Arceus didn't have to come out until this year, when it was probably done last year. Do you think, however, given the circumstances of what you might be saying, um, if RC is reviewed poorly and the fan backlash was like, hey, we don't like this style, would this game not have been announced today? Well, not today. Probably not. They probably would have waited to have like a Pokemon Direct. Mm -hmm. um, And they probably would have... um, Because again, all their games have been in 3D. They probably would have reworked it maybe gone back to the Sword and Shield engine. Um, but they, all the 3D modeling would have been done. Um, all the rigging would have been done. So the movements and all the, of all the characters and everything would have been done, but you would have had to change what like game engine you're using. So like the 3D models can be moved back and forth. Um, you know, you can watch people on PC steal models from other games and put them into fucking Gary's mod. So um, it, it's... I could totally see them going, eh, no. And and taking those models and putting them into the Sword and Shield engine, if God, the Sword God. and Shield games did better. Um, because, again, that's work they don't have to do twice. You know, as, um, um, as someone that... My first uh, Pokemon game that I've ever finished, and this is... I made a concerted effort to finish Pokemon Sword. Because uh, I bought Pokemon Sword and Shield for my nephew... And I had Sword always. I've had it since launch. And then I recently, just last year, played it and completed it. Despite not enjoying it that much, I thought it was kind of like meh. But then I played Pokemon Arceus this year, and I thought it was much better. I enjoyed the experience you know, quite a bit more than I did with Sword and Shield. So as a new fan, getting into the series uh, in the modern system, more or less, and figuring out that the Arceus kind of gels with my playstyle better... I'm excited to know that uh, it's, it's the template that they're going to be following going forward. I, I think classic Pokemon fans that have like have enjoyed Arceus too, because again, this this idea that we had to bring everything forward, which wasn't even possible for the longest time. Like we, you got to bring Pokemon from like Red and Blue to uh, Gold, Silver, Pokemon Blue, Red and Yellow to Pokemon Silver, Gold, and Crystal. But then you couldn't. They dropped the Gotta Catch Em All name. No one seems to remember that. They dropped it from Ruby and Sapphire. And Ruby and Sapphire didn't have all the original Pokemon in it. Um, I don't think they did until Emerald came out and Emerald started allowing you to catch other Pokemon because Emerald had to be able to connect to Leaf Green and Fire Red. And it's like, and then from that point on, from the Game Boy Advance on, you could bring your Pokemon forward. But think about how much that holds you back yeah. from being able to do certain things. So when it got to Diamond and Pearl, which is when I re-entered the conversation of Pokemon, um, I could take a Game Boy Advance game, put it into the bottom of the DS, and take Pokemon out of the, th- the Game Boy Advance game and bring them into Diamond and Pearl. And then, of course, 
From there, you have black and white and black and white too, so you got to bring your Pokemon forward. But then we get to the 3DS game, so what they're in what they did was they allowed Pokemon Bank, which would take Pokemon out of your game and put it into the 3DS, and then they were gonna add that to Sword and Shield, but then not Sword and Shield didn't have all the Pokemon and people were upset. But it's like every time you drag stuff from the past, it holds back any sort of innovation because it all has to play kind of like the original Pokemon games. And we only have to go back as far as um, Ruby and Sapphire, but that's 20 years ago. Like, <laughs> Thanks for a... making me feel old. No, <laughs> fucking... It, it's just... It's it's crazy to think about, but, like, yeah, those games came out early on in the Game Boy Advance life cycle. So you're going to take a 2001, 2002, or 3, whatever it was, game, and make sure that everything from that time works now. So Arceus allows that reset and Diamond and Pearl also kind of locked off that past stuff simply by not having that Game Boy Advance port. And I'm sorry, I, I think those games do better for not having to hold on to the past. Um, and with the fact that the Diamond and Pearl remakes seem to have done well too and gotten the Pokemon audience into something that looks not as realistic as where Pokemon was trying to go, um, where it was a full 3D world. Um, I think there's space for both of them, and I think they're making really good decisions for the first time in a long time, because I dropped off at Black and White, tried to get back in in the 3DS era, and the 3DS era sucked. I'm, I know some people love those games, but like they really dumbed down everything. And it's like, clearly they were scrambling. They, they All of a sudden you could mega evolution and they turned into giant Pokemon and blah, blah, blah. And they all had to have a gimmick. And now it's just like with Arceus, people have been saying like, I just like capturing Pokemon. You can sneak up on them and throw a ball and capture it. And, uh, you know, the battles I'm moving out of the way constantly. So I'm giving commands to my Pokemon, but having to stay out of the range of the attacks and everything. And I'm like, that sounds compelling. It sounds like they finally did the thing that they needed to do all along, but they couldn't do it if they were trying to bring everything from fucking 2003 with them. It's yeah. a mess. Like, I, there's a, I, I will find it and I will uh, have, uh, I will mention it as soon as I find it, but there's a breakdown of like all the problems and some of the stuff I'm saying now comes from this video where it's like 20 minutes and it just kind of breaks down like i get why po the video is essentially saying i get why people are complaining about pokemon like pokemon fans complain about pokemon but the things you want pokemon to do are actively the things that are also allowing it not to change and the, the thing that's yeah. most curious about uh pokemon and game freak in general is that to me pokemon is such like a golden breadwinner license it's it's the most pop uh, no, most profitable game series of all time. Like it's like it's it might actually even be the most profitable IP of all time, even I beyond so, yeah. things like Star Wars and stuff like that. Which is beyond Marvel, beyond Star Wars. And can you imagine how much money it has baked up over the years throughout movies, animation, the merchandise, games, and all everything else in between? When you have something that popular. Change is innately going to be very difficult for you to implement. And not only that, it's almost unnecessary. Because a, po a new Pokemon game can come out, it can review like dog shit, and I guarantee you it will still sell millions and millions and millions of copies based on namesake alone. And in that way, it's 
kind of difficult for them to change in that way. So I'm finally glad to see that they're making some adjustments here and there, albeit it's going to be like watching fucking paint dry as far as the improvements that they're going to make over this whole Arceus system. But the solid foundation has been set, you know, that is good enough that improvements along this path will make it a more compelling experience for everyone else in, in between within the next few iterations or so. So I'm hoping that when we get this new game that comes out, uh, we're going to see those improvements from RCs that we're looking at. And they do manage to just, like you said, kind of shave away and kind of shrug off a lot of the remnants of the past that's kind of been holding them back. So this this game especially... The, the follow-up to Arceus, I think it's going to be a very important game for uh, you know, Game Freak and also Pokemon fans in general, because it's going to be very telling for what the game, uh, what the game series is going to be like for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, the video I'm, I'm talking about is, is actually 40 minutes long, but it's uh, How Pokemon Became a Logistical Nightmare of Design, and it's by Foxcade on YouTube. Got 1 million views, and honestly... It's the most, I don't even remember how I stumbled upon it. I literally fell into this video and I'm like, ah, fucking I'll hear him out. Because he wasn't complaining, like, every time a Pokemon game got released in the last fucking three years or whatever it was, it was always a complaint about, like, oh, it's too easy, I hate the experience, share, um, you know, this, that. They, they started complaining about the Diamond and Pearl remake, saying, like, how dare they, it just looks stupid, and blah, blah, blah. And, um... It's just, it explains, like, you can't keep everybody happy. So, that's problem one. Problem two is, there's always new fans entering. So, it has to be accessible to those fans and accessible to the hardcore audience that wants to really dive into the weird stat mechanics that are there. Um, and and ultimately, the, the biggest part is that, um, like you said, it's one of the most profitable IPs on the face of the fucking planet. But they need to continuously make new Pokemon. That is part of the goal, is to make new merchandise. You can only... Again, Pikachu has to look like Pikachu. And in the early days, yeah, Pikachu plushies might have been a little rough looking. But, like, now when you get a Pikachu plush, it looks like Pikachu. And all the other Pikachus look like Pikachu. And, like, you know, um, every other Pokemon has a very much set-in-stone look. So... You know, when they do the different forms or whatever, that's new merchandise they can sell. Whether it be a card or, like, a phone case or something, that's constantly what they have to be doing. Um, so that's the reason why we see new games all the time. But the new games people were not enjoying as much. And, you know, it, look at how they handled Sword and Shield. They're like, expansion pass? Like, that's kind of unheard of. Normally, they just make a new Pokemon game, but everybody seemed to hate that answer, which is weird because it saves you the price of buying the same game twice with for extra content, which is what they did with... I, 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 still, I still don't like the fact that they're dividing the fucking game into Scarlet and Violet, by the no, way. No, that's always so. going to be there, though, because they want you to buy two UPCs. That's mm, unfortunate. Screw that shit. Screw that shit. I like but, the RCS. There was only one game I bought yeah. and all the stuff in it. But, I mean, like, they used to do that even worse with, like, look at Sun and Moon, and then there's Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Yeah, but... And I what's the difference? Happen. Not much, other than a few changes to Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Platinum did the same thing with Diamond and Pearl, where it's the same game, 
but we've changed a few things. And if you want to see the new stuff, you have to buy a whole game. And then they did a DLC pass and people were upset about not being able to buy a new game, which is crazy. So hopefully this is the beginning of something new. I'm, I'm excited. I kind of saw it and it, it looks more interesting to me than Pokemon Arceus. Arceus, I was like, ah, you know, I don't really like the past look of everything. And like, this is like clearly a modern day-ish Pokemon. And I'm like, all right. You got me. I'll end up buying this. It's weird because, like, I was going to buy Arceus, and now I'm like, do I? <laughs> uh, Ar- Arceus was a lot of fun, Ken. Like, I yeah, but I wasn't going to get to it for, like, another month. Do I just wait for the new one? I don't know. That's true. Um, That's the thing about Nintendo games specifically. If we were talking about, like, any other company, I'd be like, yeah, just wait until first sale, and then... Nah, there won't be any sales on Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) If we're talking about... If if this was, like, a Ubisoft game, oh, yeah, wait, like, two months, it'll be, like, 75% off, you know? But for Nintendo games, especially Pokemon, the best you'll do is, like, $40 instead of $60. Uh, You know, that's, like, six, seven months from now, maybe. So, we'll see. Um, but right. yeah, exciting times for Pokemon fans for sure. Yep. yep. All right, we got two emails and a tweet, and then we're going to get out of here. It's a long show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Antonio says uh, So, as I had previously tweeted before, I decided to play Elden Ring as my first FromSoft game. I've played around in the world for roughly 10 hours and have beaten two side bosses. That game has made me forget all about Dying Light and Horizon. I feel bad only getting a small amount of time out of Horizon, considering that I absolutely loved what I played of it so far. It's crazy how much I'm enjoying Elden Ring as a person who plays games on the easiest setting. Gran Turismo 7 is out in a week, and I'm absolutely exhausted from all these games. By the way, I was so happy after beating the first boss that you see after the open world opens up that I ate a whole thin crust pizza to celebrate. Today might be (laughs) the day I take a shot at the first main boss, so wish me luck and patience. Awesome. I that's that's the kind of comment that like really warms the heart, you know, like people kind of with some hesitation going into something that uh they're not sure about and then kind of coming out on the other side like really happy that they decided to dive in. Um and that's what these new games are supposed to do. You know, they're supposed to be more inviting, get more people involved into a formula or a genre that they're not, uh, you know, all that particularly uh, fond of or experienced in. So I'm very happy that you're having the experience and I have you. I hope you have more fun with it. All all this is giving me FOMO big time because, like, I started playing it and I got about an hour or two in. I was just like, this ain't doing it for me. I just haven't booted it that's, back up. I've been I've been lacking that feeling. Like, part of me is like, man horizon but i'm like i just don't care. i be it's funny because i That's beat like horizon so before up. anybody even got it so like i i didn't miss out i was like i already beat no, that. no but i'm like but i like <laughs> i loved that first game and i was years after the fact i got into it and like i i want to see where the story goes and i just don't have like that the drive to be like i need to get it now i'm like i can wait yeah. which is so weird because that's not normally how i am with anything I feel like I maybe I give it another week and then there's like just endless amounts of information about Elden Ring and maybe I can hop in and kind uh, of... Ken, like, if, if you're interested in some resources, I gave one to uh, our good friend uh, Terrence and he used it in order to kind of get a head start on things and he seems to be having a good experience with it now. Like getting much more powerful at the very beginning. T- it literally takes you 15 minutes just to go grab a couple of things in the map that makes you substantially mm-hmm. more powerful. Um, and uh, yeah, I would recommend that guy. The problem if he's is Ken can't read. Uh, What's it's a, a, video? It's a video? Yeah. 
So if you just follow that along, Ken, like you're gonna be significantly more powerful, and you might have a better experience with it. You know, I mean, you already own the game. You know, it doesn't hurt to give it a shot if you like. I just got the horse. Oh. Yeah, you're very, you're at the very beginning. I, I know, I'm at the very beginning. Like I, I bumped into some things and like I got frustrated and I turned it off. What's funny is like I can lose ten straight games in Overwatch and I'll keep playing. But if a boss beats me or an enemy beats me in Elden Ring, I just turn it off. I don't. Yeah, if you. <laughs> If you turn it off every time you lose, it's gonna be a long play. Through. I get frustrated because like single player action games, like I, I'm I'm like um Antonio, I play on the easy difficulty setting because I, I just I don't have time to just bang my head against stuff anymore. Like I used to enjoy that, but I don't anymore. But I see all this cool shit in this game and again I'm just like, man, I wanna see this shit myself. There's a lot of cool shit and watching the let's <laughs> play of that game might be uh a second job onto itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hours. Uh, but, you know, like like you said, maybe if you give it a bit more time, maybe you'll get that itch again. Sometimes you've, you kind of get the itch for something that's challenging, right? You can boot the game up, maybe follow that guide and see where it takes you. Yep. I I, I own it, so why not? Yep. Uh, Jeremy sends an email and said, Sup, I picked up Elden Ring. See, God damn it. Uh, and I'm having a blast so far. I, was, I am was about five hours in. The way the game is set up, I like to use co-op to get a good feel for the boss. Then I'll go in and take him out when I feel ready. Then I don't lose my runes slash souls slash blood things. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I'm kind of bones the person who summoned me in my trial and error, but so far it seems to be working. The game plays great. Lots of pop in. I'm playing in performance mode. So on to the reason I'm writing an email instead of playing the game at 6.30 a.m. I got my coffee, kicked on my PS5, and it says it can't load the application. Apparently this is a widespread issue, judging by all the posts. I'm currently waiting for it to reinstall, hoping I'll get a chance to play after work. Getting burned off a pre-order is kind of inevitable these days. What was your guys' worst pre-order or review game issue? Thanks, and have a great week. Hmm. Uh, um, I don't think I've had any... I, like So, a way out, I had technical issues. I know I've brought that up enough times today, but it's just like... I remember having technical issues with that game um but I, I i really gave it slack for it because i was playing it so far in advance um pre-order wise i mean fuck uh, i bought i bought <laughs> i bought no man's sky the day of release ouch so oh, there's that um street fighter 5 was pretty bad at launch yeah that was a bad one but uh, you know, to be topical, I, I pre-ordered uh, Cyberpunk 2077 on on PC on GOG. I, I believed in Cyber, <laughs> I, I believed in CD Projekt Red. You know, they had the track record at the time, uh, but um, didn't turn out so well. Yeah, I th uh, most recently, literally before the day one patch, which I did get before the embargo lifted, Horizon Forbidden West was kind of a mess. Was it? Oh, wow. yeah. Like, I had buildings in areas that were, like, half polygons. I had characters falling through the floor. I had, like, Apparently characters... that's still going on with people. I've been listening to podcasts of people playing it, and they're like, <laughs> it's not polished. It's It was a lot worse before the patch. <laughs> like, a lot worse. I remember waiting and holding my review. I'm like, you know what? They said this patch was going to be... And they did get the patch in. Before the embargo lifted, I booted it up. I played a couple more hours, ran into a lot less issues. But man, if you play Horizon Forbidden West without that day one patch, that game is rough. Damn, I'm surprised to hear that. Um, 
if nothing else, I I would think the Gorilla would be pretty good as far as the patch uh, polish of their games go. So that's surprising. Yeah, it was surprising to me too. And it's I I, I ran into that with Ratchet back before it launched. Like I that was the first time I'd ever had issues out of an Insomniac game, really. Um, and I kind of put it on like well, it's COVID, you know. A lot of these games were built during a time when they weren't the best working conditions for some of these games. True, true, true. So I kind of chalked it up a lot to that. I was really curious if that day one patch was going to fix Horizon as much as it did. And trust me, I know you can still see bugs in that game, but boy, you guys do not know how lucky you are that you are seeing that version. But that that lies a double edge of being uh, a reviewer, Ken. Like we want to have the best experience with these games, but the nature of the business states that oftentimes we're going to be missing out on these crucial updates that makes us have these worse experiences than the uh, day one consumer. Which kind of sucks, but comes with the territory, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, the tweet I have is from Adam. He says, "I just have one question." Do you really wanna? Do you really wanna taste it? What a ride! Binged Peacemaker after you guys high praise last week. Gotta say it's probably better than any of the Disney Plus Marvel shows. Cheers. Yeah, that show's uh, really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, I also watched that too. I didn't know you guys did too. Uh, I had a good time with it. It, it has some really funny humor. Yeah. Um, is it getting a second season? Yes, James Gunn has it confirmed is. there's a second season coming. Terrific. Yep, I love that ending. I'm not again not spoiling it, but that last scene, that last scene with the cameos is really fucking good. <laughs> wait, wait, was there like an after credits thing? No, no, no. The scene where he he walks up, he's like, "You're late." Oh, that scene cracked yeah. me up. Yeah, that was that was great. Yeah. Um, but no, that whole show was just that is really the best stuff DC's done in a long time. Like. Kudos to them for bringing in James Gunn. The Suicide Squad movie was good. The Peacemaker sh- I didn't give two shits about that Peacemaker show. Like, I didn't really care for his character in the movie, but that show is so good. James Gunn. He knows how to write characters and humor, like, really well. I yeah. know a lot of that humor was also, like, ad-lib on set and stuff like that, which impresses me even more, considering how funny the actual actors are and everything, but uh, they got the right people for those roles. It's great. Yeah, and almost every character in that show is, is really well done, and I like them. Nice. Um, that's it. Um, to to kind of uh, tack on to the... the I finally watched um, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Okay. That movie is what we would have wanted back in 1992. Like, would we can? We, we would have. We would have. Yeah. It's 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 the closest to the Resident Evil story that you'll ever see in a movie. That's not 3D animated, yeah. I mean, it's closer than those. Oh, it follows. On. It follows the events of one and two almost to a T. They change a couple things here and there. And Barry Burton continues to be, you know, just underappreciated. He is disrespected in those movies. Um, Got it. But everything else in those movies, I'm like, oh shit, they had that. They had, oh shit. I will. The only thing that I will say, I'm not gonna harp on about the quality of that movie, which I did not enjoy very much. But what they did to Leon was criminal. You gotta admit that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Making okay. him to be that, yeah. That's not fun. But Claire, the uh, actress that played Claire we, was can good. We just, can we just <clears throat> spoiler there for a second? I'm just curious of what happens there. Spoiler alert! 
Oh, for Leon, they made him yeah. stupid. Yeah. Oh, okay. They made uh, him kind of was... like a punk. Yeah. I was yeah. just curious because um, I was wondering if they made him into a monster at the end. No, no, they, they no. didn't go that far. Thankfully, well, um, that's that would be a refer. That would be like a deep cut to uh, Resident Evil Gaiden. Oh yeah, I, I know, I know about that line, but uh, no, they didn't go that far. But they kind of made him into this. I understand that Leon's supposed to be a rookie, and that's perfectly fine. But they made him into like this incompetent laughingstock kind of uh, like nonsense character, which yeah. really doesn't fit uh, to you know who he is. Not even like in the later games, but even in Resident Evil Two, you know. Um, right. And also fucking Wesker, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the, the Wesker. The the guy who played Wesker in those terrible movies that I don't like was really good. Yeah, at least he actually had like the kind of pseudo menacing aura that you know Wesker yeah. has. But no they, one's gonna do. No one's gonna do Douglas. Uh, what was his full name? Uh, something something something. D, something Douglas. I forget. Uh, yeah. DC Douglas or something like that. He's the voice actor for Wesker. Oh he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incredible, and the 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 gravitas that he brings to the character, and the the stuff that he does in the games, like he's one of my favorite like antagonists in video games. Despite the fact that obviously it's cheesy and blah blah blah, but he's he has such a presence, and I love how campy he is. So to see him relegated to what he is in this movie and what they did with Leon specifically felt kind of offensive to me. Let me tell you about Doom. No, oh, no, 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 you don't need to talk about Doom. Uh, and, and I'm not even talking about the one that everybody knows. Oh, you did, so there's two of them. You know, I don't hate the one with The Rock. The one with The Rock is an entertaining The Rock movie. is okay. Yeah, the new one is bad. The new one is bad, but I could still I get, get through different... it. Yeah, yeah. Was... no, neither of them are. None of, none of these movies are unwatchable. That would be Max Payne. Um, Mark Wahlberg I, I... is Max Payne. Marky Mark. That movie's so fucking terrible. <laughs> You've clearly never seen any of the Uwe Boll video game movies because those are the bad ones. Yes, but they're just bad movies before you even get to the video game aspect of it. Like, oh, yeah. that's just it. Like, Uwe Boll makes bad movies. I... I'm talking about movies that, like, had money behind them and not just, like, German grants or wherever the fuck UA Bull comes from. I'm pretty sure Operation Raccoon City or whatever, Welcome to Raccoon City, didn't have much of a budget. You can see that in the CGI. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they, they did not have a lot of money. And that's but, fine, man. You don't have to have $100 million for every movie that you make. It's just that, I, I you know, it's one of those things where, like, why are they in such a hurry to try to squeeze in so much of this movie content, you know, game content? Why did they need to make it one and two together with a little bit of Code Veronica in there, too, for whatever Ooh. reason? <laughs> so it's like they tried to put in elements of three different games into one movie and change the elements of characters that made them iconic and then expect the fans to to love it with all the, like, silly references that it make. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say it's the worst movie ever made, but I'm just going to say that as a fan of the, the Resident Evil series, I, you know, I just didn't enjoy well, it. Well, nostalgia much. sells. So hey, I liked it. part of it. Although I did wait till it was $10 before I bought it. Like, I wouldn't pay the $20, $30 or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to do it. But uh, I- I'm sorry, guys. Every time I come onto the podcast, I feel like it always becomes a three-hour show. So let's <laughs> go ahead and end it here. Yeah, let's uh, let's get out of here. Um, if you want to shoot us an email, it's podcast at ztgd.com. You want to follow us on Twitter, uh, Anthony's a complacent robot. I'm a ztgd, and Jay is a bottom side. Jay, 
You can also follow the site as ETGD content. Also, we have winners for the Oddworld stuff, which I need to send you all some DMs. Um, so I will do that this week. Check your DMs for your codes. Uh, we're giving away Oddworld Strangers Wrath HD for the Xbox. So I will email, I will DM you tomorrow when the show goes live. Um, Phoenix Down, I think they're doing one or two more episodes of Yakuza 4. They didn't do an episode last week because Drew's a bastard. Um, but check those out. Um, but if that's it, I don't have anything else. So if nobody else does, we can get out of here. Peace, Bertrand. Alrighty. And it goes something like this.